0: I don't know if that was Alex Jones masturbating or Jabba the Hutt dying. That was pretty great. Um,
1: There's no difference. Can you show me when they've been in the same room together? (laughs) On this
0: episode, uh, we're going to spend some time discussing... Race! Do we need it? (sighs)
1: Sorry, I'll let you do the hosting from now on. Wow, that was...
0: <laughs> that was good. That, that sounds was, that that, was great, actually. Seriously, that sounded like something Roseanne would say. <laughs> you could be
2: on Bright Bart. <laughs>
0: Welcome into Film Tank, the weekly podcast that covers both new and classic cinema. On this episode of Film Tank, we discuss two films from Spike Lee, his classic film, Do the Right Thing, and the new film, Black Klansman. If you would like to get in touch with Film Tank, you can always email us at filmtankshow at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at filmtankshow, and you can listen to all of our episodes on our website, filmtankshow.com. Or on iTunes. And now here are your hosts, Nick Cheney, Tucson Egan, and myself, Alex Teigman. Hello there, again, everybody, and welcome into episode 164 of Film Tank. I am Alex Diegman, along with Nick Cheney, hey, and Tucson Egan. Hey, hey, hey! It's Radio Tina here at Film Tank. Excellent. It's an all-timer, so we're gonna. Make sure we save that one. It's a good one.
1: It's also Alzheimer's.
0: A strong kind of word. Well, it's funny because Toussaint really seems to do other impressions well, but black people he sometimes struggles with. So,
2: I mean, it's <laughs> hard to imitate myself. So.
0: Well, it is hard to imitate Samuel Jackson. Yeah. It, it like in a good way. It is. It's yeah. like people trying to imitate Harry Carey. Wait, like yeah. everybody gets is like got one, but yeah. it's most of them are
1: horrible. Do it's, you think he was trying to be Samuel Jackson?
2: Mm-hmm. I was trying to be his his radio persona.
1: Oh, I thought you were trying to be Radio Raheem. No. And I was like that was a horrible impression. No. That's why I was
2: saying that. Was no, not, was saying. not all black impressions are the so same, So racist. Nick.
1: Come on, no, Nick. No, there's only one character in this movie that has the first name Radio. That's true. Radio Raheem. But there no. is a
0: radio host that yeah. is played that is by true, Samuel Jackson. Yeah.
1: But he doesn't say, I'm radio host. <laughs> <laughs> I don't stand like at the, the desk like the fucking at the library radio. Go, I'm Librarian Nick. How can I help you? <laughs> you should do
0: that. You I mean, should I, do that tomorrow maybe when were. you go maybe, into work. Maybe you should. some baby boomers would might appreciate that. Thank you for telling me what you are because I didn't know. I thought you were a janitor.
1: Yeah. Oh. Uh, okay. Well, now that I know you're trying to be Samuel Jackson, I, I wouldn't say it's a lot better but it's definitely somewhat better.
2: Well, good. Yeah. I'm glad it worked
0: out. so. On this episode, uh, we're going to spend some time discussing... Race! Do we need it? <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: oh
3: my god!
1: Sorry, I'll let you do the hosting from now on. Wow, that was... <laughs> that was good. That, that sounds was, like, that was that's
0: great, actually. Seriously, that sounded like something Roseanne would say. You could be on Breitbart.
2: You could be on Breitbart! Yeah. Race, do we even need it? Fox and Friends, I'm just speaking out loud! <laughs>
0: What do you think, Alex Jones? Give me some of that eye stuff you got. Yeah. <laughs>
2: oh, God. I don't, know if it was, I don't know if that was
0: Alex Jones masturbating or Jabba the Hutt dying. That was pretty great. Um, There's no difference. Can you
1: show me when they've been in the same room together?
0: <laughs> that was good. Oh, God. That was good. We're off to a raging start here. This is yeah, great. Yeah. This is the best start of an episode we've had well, since. Racial like, episode tension five.
1: brings out the best in me. I don't know about you guys.
2: <laughs> Yeah. All right. Who, which one are we starting with?
0: Okay. So just to give the listeners uh, an idea, we are going to be talking about Spike Lee and two of his most famous films, which are Shy and the remake of Old Boy.
2: We are not. Hell we're, you. we're not doing that. No. No.
1: I've always. Uh, well, we've seen. Uh, you know. It, oh, I'm sorry.
0: Oh, I was just going to no. say I've actually always <laughs> been intrigued to see both of those films, but have never went out of my way to watch either of them.
1: Well, I take a firm, hard stance against seeing the Old Boy remake mm-hmm. because when you watch Do the Right Thing, uh, you see what he thinks about Korean people. And uh, <laughs> I'm making a half Is joke. It, uh... That was a joke.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, come on now. That was, that was 1989. Everybody hated Korean people. 1989! So. We also see how he feels about uh, mentally challenged people. So that's oh, fantastic. Oh, boy. What? Oh boy. I mean you saying oh boy?
2: No. Just...
0: <laughs> I mean he went he went far far to the far to the end. We
2: we we talked about Rain this. Man
1: hadn't even come out yet, had it? <laughs> Actually I don't think so. Uh, I don't, I don't think it, it might did. have been like a year before. No,
2: yeah, we true. we we talked about this while we were watching Do the Right Thing. Um I I watched it for the first time and I think Alex had watched it for the first time. Just yeah. the presence of the Mentally challenged character, and how well
1: it's not even the presence. I've said this on the podcast before, by the way, yeah, and I'm gonna say it now because now you'll have actually seen the movie, Mm -hmm. so you'll know what I'm referring to. But the character of Smiley, uh, like many things and people in this movie, uh, has a pop culture analog to something else Mm. which is the uh most people would say that smiley is probably an homage to august wilson's play fences Mm. in which it's set predominantly if not entirely in a black neighborhood mostly a black uh backyard Mm -hmm. but um one of the the uh the brother of the main character in that movie uh is mentally challenged and he comes in and out of the story because he wanders around the neighborhood. Uh, and I, I think as Spike Lee is very well versed in mm-hmm. uh, African American history and pop culture, uh, I doubt that it's just a random coincidence. Yeah. you know, um, especially to I would. It's not ending the movie on it, but obviously ending that night. Yes, with him, uh, I think. Uh, we can obviously talk about that character in general. And the but final
2: epigraphs of the I'm the pretty film.
1: much okay with that entire thing. It's, um,
0: I guess it's not that I... It's
1: not that it would be made the same way today. I guess that's more but I'm getting at. It's, mm. it's more empathetic than something that might even happen today.
2: At least it has a yeah. presence.
0: That's, that's true. Yeah. Uh, it stuck out to me, though. I know. It, yeah, me too. I think it's supposed
1: too. to. I yeah. think, technically speaking... It sticks out to the audience in the same way that it doesn't stick out to the characters in the film, mm. who are repeatedly telling uh, him Smiley to either leave or literally to pay him off to keep walking and whatnot. I mean, this is just <laughs> their neighborhood, and yeah. as someone who's I, you know, in my own neighborhood, I there are people on my own school bus and such. They're they're unfortunately, especially when I was young and right. stupid, whatever. There just grew to be people you ignored because they were different and you wanna know you hadn't you you, no you part. bore no ill will toward right. them right. because of obvious reasons, but you also did not quite treat them with the same humanity that mm. uh, uh, you would your, your friends and whatnot. I and I kind of think that's what's happening here. And I feel like a subtle performance, which nobody's subtle in this movie, which is why yeah. also his performance doesn't really bother me. Yeah. This is not in uh, an I Am Sam biopic where the emphasis is on his story mm-hmm. as his humanity. It's, it's about his place just like everybody else's place. So I, I for the most part, I guess this will be the last thing I'll say mm-hmm. about it because this is all I think about it, is that I think it's fine. I think... Twenty thirty something years later, it would need to be redone if done today. Right. But from the time and honestly, nothing is uh low key in this movie. No, that's no. true.
0: So anyway. Yeah. I, I guess I don't I don't necessarily have like strong opinions about the character, the performance. Uh it just to me oh,
1: it, uh... sticks out.
2: Yeah. So yeah. that's fine. Going off of that, do we feel like starting in the present or in the past? Are no, we going to start? No, with I think bl-
0: I think we should start with this. I mean, it goes okay, goes yeah. 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 we so, just saw it. Yeah, just now so, so
2: uh,
0: we are talking about Spike Lee's um, probably most celebrated film.
1: Oh, I thought we were talking about Cuba Gooding Jr.'s Radio.
3: <gasps>
1: now, see, that's a different kind of classic. My bad. Yeah. Ed Harris, though. You're just like
0: I so saved you, him. I do like Ed Harris, what's but that? yeah, you're, you're
2: like uh, what's his name. Um, <laughs> peter rosenthal when he's uh <laughs> reviewing uh high praise from tucson uh, yeah 12 I, years a I, like, slave. i'm honored right now yeah this is peter rosenthal <laughs> okay he yeah. has
0: much better white impressions yeah
2: he does i love yeah. peter yeah. rosenthal
0: <laughs> <laughs> that has nothing to do with it but yeah. that's all right so we are talking about uh spike lee's newest film which is black klansman and in addition, we're talking about one of his most celebrated films, which is 1989's Do the Right Thing, which mm-hmm. is not his first film, but it's definitely probably... Is it his first film? No. It's it was, not?
1: It his first breakout studio. Yeah. Box. Oh, wow. I didn't yeah.
0: know that. Okay. So it, I mean, it's right up
2: there. Right, right.
1: As,
0: but... but in terms of like mainstream people who think of this as yeah. his introduction into... Most people... This
2: was inducted into the Library of Congress as being like historically like, and culturally significant. Yeah,
1: well, so was Barbarella. Well, Barbarella is... I'm just kidding. Yeah. Actually, I may not be. That might be in there.
0: We'll see. So, on the hottest day uh, in Brooklyn, everyone's hate and bigotry smolders and builds until it explodes into violence in Do the Right Thing, which was written, directed, and produced... By Spike Lee and stars Spike Lee, in addition to Danny Aiello, Ossie Davis, Ruby Dee, Richard Edson, Giancarlo Esposito. Uh, also appearing here are John Turturro, mm-hmm. uh, also Frankie Faison, Robin Harris, and some other people you've probably seen, like Miguel Sandoval, who is on episodes of Seinfeld. And then also, too, you had... Rosie Perez, Martin Lawrence, and Samuel L. Jackson.
1: So, I just want to recant my previous statement and say, I'm a fucking idiot. Barbarella was not inducted into the library. Thank you Congress. for clearing that up. Yeah, There's I still time. That's true.
2: There's probably probably true. not. Yeah. Probably no not. history. No. no, I mean, that would be,
1: that'd be
0: quite the comeback. Yeah. yeah.
1: I'll yeah. say it now. If it does... We will cover it. Yeah. But only if. Yeah.
2: Wow, that's, that's quite a something. Don't count it out. I mean, crazier things have happened. I mean, seriously. I mean, a steak salesman became our president. Which one was that? George tell Foreman? You, I'm talking about Donald Trump. Oh, okay. The boxer?
0: <laughs> yeah, the boxer. Yeah, it's a George Foreman grill. I was the steak salesman. That's fine. Yeah. I was going for... Black people can be president, too. Okay. <laughs>
2: Okay, so who wants to start with do the right thing?
0: <laughs> I know we tried that once; it didn't work out. Oh God! I'll go first,
2: yeah, since
1: I'm white and
2: <laughs> of course.
1: <laughs> well, I'm the only person here who's rewatched it, I think. yeah. So I've true. kind of had a lot of time to mm-hmm. think about it. And you said you watched it for the first time last year. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So, yeah, um, I very much enjoy this film. I think it's pretty wonderful i don't think it's perfect but i can't there are literally i would say few films where i can't imagine what it would be like to watch it for the first time when it came out mm-hmm. because most films like just as a thought exercise or an, uh, an, an, uh i don't know an attempt at empathy i pretty much can imagine as far as just like trying to take the historical context and the uh just the mood and what had been done before what hadn't whatever Um, And I can just think, like, wow, this must have been, like, whatever. But Do the Right Thing is one of those movies that even in 2018 feels so uh, vital and fresh. And uh, in this case, eerily prescient and so many things to where I am still so colored by the (laughs) fact of watching it. In today's world, mm-hmm. that I can't even fathom what it would have been like to watch
2: it as when it the, first came
1: out. Yeah, and as the birth of independent cinema. Well, not the
2: birth, but the new ascent. The sense. Uh,
1: I guess I would say the at the birth of the the current generation of independent filmmaking that we're still in, which mm-hmm. started pretty much with uh, Steven Soderbergh's uh, uh, Sex Lies and Videotape, when he became the first person, the youngest person, to win with a debut film. The cons uh, palm door mm-hmm. um but i mean it is so clear that every filmmaker since this movie and even filmmakers prior to this movie has seen this movie um mm-hmm. and spike himself is certainly no um i would say like he doesn't stand alone either uh, he wears not just his influences but he wears his just like Loves and
2: whatnot. His predecessors, yeah.
1: yeah, all throughout this film, with you know the Night of the Hunter references yeah. and um, possibly the August Wilson reference, and and so many other things. Um, but overall, I think this film is pretty fantastic. I I think so watching it a second time, I now want to watch it a third time already because I still can't believe that a uh, in a good way, that an African American first-time filmmaker, when it comes to big budget and whatnot, mm-hmm. came out with this script and this movie, which is so pointed and yet so empathetic to every side of this battle, without mm. ever once pardoning anybody for their faults. It's it,
2: able to show like the ugly sides of people when it had the montage of the of. Every single, I don't want to say faction, but like every single demographic of this neighborhood, including the cops, like sort of pointedly throwing out whatever racist like pejorative jobs they wanted to at a single like race. And it just became a relay in that way. But it, there's something unerringly ridiculous empathetic about how it's able to depict that on an even level so that no one is is solely a, an antagonist or a villain in this. It's just it just happens to be a very, very hot day in Brooklyn where a lot of powerful unresolved tension, comes to a boil and just comes to bear in, like, the final moments of this film in in, in ways that are explosive, literally, and thematically and emotionally.
1: Yeah. Um, You look at the cops, for example. It's it's kind of interesting that this movie ends with the cops uh, murdering uh, a young African-American man.
2: I did not know that. That's one of the
1: most famous, like, third acts. Like, the whole point of the movie is just this heat wave. Coming to an actual boil. Yeah. So here
0: here's the thing, yeah. and I'm kinda with you, Son, which I did not know. Which I act. didn't realize either, and I was like, Oh Which um I actually quite think that's wonderful because getting to watch the rest of the film without that knowledge, I think, uh, yeah. worked even better for me on the first time viewing. It was a yeah. very
2: chilling moment to realize what was going on because you know it, I, I immediately you you I immediately thought to Eric Garner But then I realized wait, this has just been going on for many, many years. Oh, and in this
1: movie alone. In this movie alone. There's the tracking shot where all of them stand on the street Mm -hmm. and shout out a previous experience Mm -hmm. and and a a past victim, you know. Um, And so that's why it's insane to me that this movie was made in 89 Mm -hmm. when this so feels like it's a movie made of its time and that's the sad part about this movie and why it will always be a masterpiece yeah probably will never not be relevant um a classic
2: is a is a a classic is a text that is of its time like like unerringly of its time but also of all times that it speaks to a, a crucial like human condition or attribute that we have to like constantly reconcile with. So,
0: yeah. I will say um, before you finish up your opening remarks that uh, one thing I did notice uh, and I, it kind of like just like jabbed at me right away. Um, I love the uh, kind of split. It's the best word to describe this is just sort of the opposite like mirror view um, early on of when, uh, Frank Vincent randomly is going by in a car and gets sprayed by all the black people who have the hose. And then at the end of the film, all the black people are getting sprayed by the firefighters, mm. uh, yeah. which I find, I found very uh, interesting how that sort of just, I mean, they're unrelated, but no, uh, but it,
1: the, it, that's yeah. always actually best prevalent throughout the whole movie. And yeah. it's never more unsubtle in a good way. When, uh, Smiley puts up the photo because yeah. he's been carrying around those the whole time waiting for someone to need them mm-hmm. uh, and of course at the whole movie uh, Giancarlo Esposito's character uh, makes a an uproar about the lack of uh, black people on the wall in cells and of course it's kind of funny because it's like it sounds bad but like this all could have avoided had like people just listened to Smiley more and maybe just took that you know what I mean like that is such an incidental thing, and yet that literally could have been something that made the entire day's events. Uh, and I don't think you can say that about any other character in this movie. No. Um, because people make choices in this movie, whereas uh, uh, Smiley, unfortunately, uh, is a victim of not a lot of agency in his own art. The one thing I was going to say to end uh, my overall thoughts was that, uh, to what you were saying, Alex, the scene with... Um, It's funny you bring up the scene where they're using the fire hydrant to, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, cool off or not. I find it so interesting to me that even in this movie where the worst people might be the cops, I mean, they're the ones who make this, you know— Happen basically yeah it's funny how no one will also blame the cops, I mean not literally, but like when Sal and uh Muki are fighting and whatnot they're blaming radio Rahim or they're blaming Sal, and it's like unfortunately, like yes, they got into a fight, mm-hmm. but the people who are literally there to help them are the ones who failed and uh you know murdered a young man, yeah um but I find it interesting that even in this movie. Their first scene is actually showing them in a positive light. I mean, they show up to uh because that is their job, I guess mm. not being racist. Like right. they show up to <laughs> uh closed the fire hydrant because that's a misuse of you know city property and whatnot mm-hmm. and they just kind of make fun of the frank vincent character the whole time because because right, he he got squirted with water yeah. so
2: mo and mo and joe were the last names i don't know black huh? i was like their brothers so <laughs> yeah. like yeah you just, like, I don't fucking know and i think
1: that's a thing. good uh example of how this movie totally channels its anger and its hatred uh of its characters uh through the lens of the heat wave, where it, it's it's the end of the day that people are done with their shit, and that's when they're you know their big- guard is down. Yes, and that's when they start to really reveal some of their deepest subconscious uh, thoughts.
0: Although this film,
1: uh, and I'm done by the way. Oh, so. okay.
0: I was, but before I get to my opening yeah. remarks, so that's all right if I go. Yeah, yeah. Um, before that, though, I will say uh, this film uh, for sure. And obviously it came out well before the film I'm going to reference, uh, but it does obviously tackle police brutality, but also um, <laughs> tackles the idea of the rogue police officer who as soon as they murder somebody, all of a sudden then even though they're protecting him, they don't really speak for him. Uh, and the film I was going to re- reference is some that has a very similar scene, which is Fruitvale Station, uh, which is for the most part the same kind of thing is, is happening uh where uh a black teenager is he is he a teenager. I or think is Rayo
1: Rahim is in his twenties,
0: yeah. so to speak. Yeah.
2: Um But but yeah. for for the most part when he's around Mookie's age, so like twenty two to twenty five, yeah. like yeah.
0: When when the deed is finally done, then all of a sudden Uh, everybody's mood kind of changes a little bit. Like, dude, what was that all about? Why'd you kill him?
1: Yeah, We were just fighting. Yeah, I mean,
0: (laughs) seriously, there's there's fire in the background. There's, well, I guess it was before the fire. But there's, you know, people just punching.
1: And and I mean... Well, you know what? Violence begets violence. Yeah, okay.
0: Uh, Anyways, uh, for this film in general, this was the first time I sat down and watched it, and I thought this was quite wonderful. Um all of the characters here are so well defined, even if they are like turned up as high as could be, um, which is totally fine because this is a very shouty kind of movie. Um, and it's pretty wonderful. Uh, every character for the most part has good qualities and bad qualities. And I think it's highlighted, you know, from start to finish through comedy and also through actually really good drama in this film. Um, I think the most interesting character in this film is actually the white store owner sale
2: mm-hmm.
0: because um uh, he- cle- well, I was gonna start with that, but I thought I'd leave it for last uh but the idea that he is maybe not a racist but also he maybe uh is is very interesting because does he just deal with the black people because they pay him money for and like run his business Mm. or does he genuinely care for them? And then we see the other side where he like creepily has this thing for young black girls, specifically Spike Lee's sister in this Mm. movie. Uh, and it, he just has so many scenes, that I will say I don't
1: think it's for a young black girl. I think it's just specifically for her? Jane. Okay. Mm-hmm. only well, because many others walk through that that restaurant. is true,
0: so I will and I, I will think it is that. creepy, yeah, I'm not saying that in
1: in and of itself, but it's it's very it's not, specialized it's yeah, very yeah I you, and I do think so. it does inform <laughs> some of his actions okay yeah. so anyway. i will
0: I will concede that point, however, um, I think probably my favorite scene in the film is actually his seen discussing living there and feeding the children and mm. uh being the pride he feels they yes. grew up on my food, right. Which uh ultimately I feel like actually isn't like a bad thing for him to feel that way. No? And I, I- thought at the time and at multiple times throughout this film that he actually he was actually kind of a good character. Yeah. So that made the ending scene right. that much worse. Right. Um when he just takes a baseball bat and destroys that's the other thing too. Um This is this is kind of tough because I'm not trying to be that guy.
1: I think Spike Lee literally orchestrated that moment to be this I think... Complicated. Between, so does Tweet. But, 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 okay, okay. Uh, I will just
0: say... which yeah. is to say,
1: no matter how bad it is, mm-hmm. it does not at ever, at any point, equate what happens. No, right. Because... And that's the point. Because, because... That's the difference between being black and being white in this country. Right. Um,
0: just yeah. where I'm assuming you thought I was going with this, but radio was in this person's place of business mm-hmm. and being asked to leave right. and was not leaving. Right.
1: <sighs> and, you know, the other thing, too, is that this is, uh, it is literally after hours, too, yeah. technically. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not even during... He didn't even
2: have to open the door. He opened the door for those four other kids because right. he going to feed him pizza and he was trying to, like... It's yeah. I, I, I I feel feel like... such
1: a meticulous mm-hmm. uh, sequence of events.
2: Right. For 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 Sal, between the, the juxtaposition between him trying to talk to his son as to why they don't move out... And how he feels as though I, – I, I feel like Sal is speaking to his son as how he feels like he is a part of this community, even if not everybody in the community likes him. Maybe he doesn't like everybody in the community, but, really, but he's still there. But even then, it shows us both the the best and the very worst, given the conditions that they're put into.
0: I was going to say, there. there's never like a time where he feels like he's – helping out the black people or anything like that no like, he's just he's just he's just running his business right and it's a very good point why don't we just move back into our own neighborhood right. there's plenty of pizzerias there and it's just yeah
2: yeah there's plenty of pizzerias there it's well, just like
0: well it, it's just um that part and i also to one thing else i'll say before i i kind of end my opening remarks is mm-hmm. i'm getting a little more involved here because i think this is a very wonderful film and obviously a very easy film to talk about Mm -hmm. um i love how the characters in this film come and go and i think it's just basically brilliant how the blocking works where one character will leave and go to another scene and sometimes you'll see a character walk by um and you can barely notice it the first time and which is not to
1: say that like you can't notice it i just mean If you're just watching the foreground, it's amazing how well this is blocked, even in the inches of the frame, that you're not always paying attention to. But
0: a lot of it is used for comedy, which is fantastic in the background, Uh, and also very un-American, because this is more kind of European-style cinema, where it's not jamming shit over the head with you. Like, you have to actually be paying attention to find it out and not Mm -hmm. just be like, hey, dum-dum. But... It was such a small scene um but when samuel jackson's on the radio just wanting his fucking food to be delivered and there's this discussion going on out yeah it is that's just phenomenal yeah
1: the way the korean store is introduced is kind of insane to me because you're introduced to them as a couple Mm -hmm. and the store itself and it's not until like that 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 happens early on in the film. Mm -hmm. And I want to say it's not until about 15 to 16 or whatever minutes in when there's a shot at Sal's that finally shows... Across the street, in the background, mm-hmm. them outside their own store—that you first make the connection, and I don't know why, but the idea of like showing these characters as being the, their own individual selves, and then saying, "But they're also in our backyard," yeah—is this kind of subconscious, uh, wonderful use of blocking? Yeah.
0: The other thing that this film does wonderfully is it gives you uh, preconceived notions about characters. Uh, So, you'll feel a certain way about them on the first introduction. And then other character traits are revealed throughout the film. Uh, Specifically for (laughs) Damare, I thought his character was absolutely wonderful and uh, find it very interesting that he is like probably the nicest person other than maybe Smiley in the entire film. Mm. And yet. uh... Yeah, because Smiley says fuck you to some people.
2: (laughs) Well, to be Uh, fair, he was provoked. That's true.
1: and uh wait a minute that is like the opposite of the message of this movie it doesn't matter if you're provoked you have to be peaceful
2: uh, uh I mean there there's uh, many messages that are at odds in that sort of like juxtaposition between like yeah I know
0: anyways just to finish up my comment on that uh the reason I really like the mayor character is because. Uh, while he is trying to be, like, the most positive person, it seems like, in this entire film, there's also this bizarre, very just strong self-loathing that's going on with him. Mm. Uh, And it's just these weird... And I I love the idea that there's that going on. And also, too, we have the hate and love example given by uh, the Radio... Whatever, I'm sorry. Radio Radio Mm -hmm. Rahim. Radio Rahim earlier, which I think is fucking
2: brilliant. Uh, Well...
1: Just so you know, mm. Spike Lee stole that from the movie The Night
2: of the Hunter. That's what... I w- I turned yeah, to I Nick, see. yeah. Right. Um, but that doesn't mean that it
0: doesn't make no, sense. No, no, no. Oh, yeah, it does. I, I, Context. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Have you ever seen that movie, by the way? I have not. We need you, to... You would
2: like We it. need to watch that and review that sometime, because yeah. that movie's fucking bomb. That's yeah. awesome.
0: Anyways, I thought this was a very good film. Uh, I have just... <laughs> I've I got endless praise, even though I don't think it's a masterpiece. Uh, I think this is a very well-done film that really hits a lot of the right notes yeah
2: um so i had never seen do the right thing before um, i had known it known it entirely by reputation i knew that it was one of spike lee's best if not his best films i knew about it like a loose assemblage of of, of like there's a pizzeria there's a heat wave there's a guy with a rings that say love and hate and i was like and that was it really um i was not prepared uh for how much i was going to really like this film i really really love this film and i think what sticks out to me more than anything is that this film reminded me of neighborhoods i grew up in and around when i was a kid and it reminded me of places that where where i i grew up and i i sort of clued into the fact that a place is not just a physical place but it's also the people who inhabit it and more often than not a place exists only for a time not immemorial um and once those people are gone it's almost as if that place has moved on as well even though sort of the buildings and the 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 places that they used to be are no are are still there they're just not inhabited in the same sort of sense like things things take on a different color um a different sort of hue between when you're younger and when you're older and you return to them and i just couldn't help but think when looking at this at at this that this neighborhood in brooklyn and just thinking about like how how many years has it been since this? Like how, like what does this neighborhood look like now if we were to return to this world and how many people would have moved on and how many of these businesses would just be totally forgotten? Would anybody remember the name Sal? Would anybody remember the name Mookie? Would anyone remember the name DeMayer or anything like that? Or would anybody remember Radio Love or anything like that? It's like, it's, 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 it it's a perfect time capsule of a moment and it really does speak to, it 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 really really it's just very fucking good it's just a very fucking good movie it's just simple as that yeah to
0: speak on that what if you went back and this was an entirely korean neighborhood or something yeah. like that i mean yeah. that's
2: yeah i mean it would be it would be interesting to see how 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 things evolve like how oh, how you weren't how, actually how, asking me. how people change <laughs> um yeah i like that this is this i i think i've already like said most of the stuff that I liked most about it, but I think that, you know, of all the characters that I really enjoyed, I did enjoy Sal. I, I did enjoy, like, you know, him reasoning to his son as to why he's actually staying there because I, I, for one, had to ask the question of, like, why are you even here? You don't even seem like to like these fucking people. And I was like, I get, like, the whole, like, boiling tension of, like, I, I, I even get, uh, what's his name, Uh, the guy with a fucked up haircut who's friends with Mookie, who gets banned from the pizzeria for a week, but then he just fucks stuff up at the end. I always forget his name. What's his, what's his real name, though?
1: Oh, Giancarlo Esposito. Yeah, Giancarlo
2: Esposito. I, I get what he's his saying. His name in
0: the film was pretty random. It was like Bugger or something. Let's call yeah. him Bugger,
2: fuck it. Um, so Bugger... <laughs> it may not have been that. I fucking hate Bugger, whatever. Uh, uh, sorry, uh, sorry.
0: Buggin'
1: Out was his name. Buggin' Out. Oh, that was his actual name. Oh. Yeah. I thought they were just saying that. Bugging Out? what he's out? credited as. Yeah, which makes sense.
2: Like the a tribe called Quest Song? No, maybe not. Or oh, whatever. Um, but anyway, uh, bugging out. He whatever. It just. It just it Why just wouldn't see, it be? See, more characters need to have fun names had, like I, this. I sort of understand where he's coming from. as like, it's interesting to to frequent an establishment every single day and somehow not feel like you are reflected in it or welcome in it in that sort of way. I feel like there's another way to. I'd like You're asking for, for photos of famous, black, prominent figures on the wall, but I feel like you're asking for something else, and a picture on the wall is just a means to an end. Is and I his feel
1: anger like... truly directed at Sal, right, or is it directed at people outside that neighborhood? Right. Because if anything, Sal is probably being more accommodating yeah. to him and everybody else in that neighborhood than if he were to go – just off that street and maybe. i'm not saying
2: he doesn't have a right to be no, a, absolutely. A, irate or angry or anything like that and it's like at the same token i understand like sal's sort of position on it is like i don't think it's it's any type of active form of prejudice it's just not reflective of his like life experience and he's a, he's and, a, he's and a that, proud italian yeah and that space is is his is his space it's his it's his business it's it's his it's his business and That's it's, the o- thing. it's also something he has built for himself, it is it is something that is reflective of him and his experience. And if, if for, for him to to, if, I think if for him to to put those photos that that are being requested on 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 his wall, it seems like such a small thing, but it feels like a contrivance of of something that's just not that just doesn't speak to him. I don't feel like he should be put in that sort of position. And I don't know,
1: not to be. Uh, whatever about this, yeah. but like, if he put like a picture of Martin Luther King because he was in this neighborhood, like, yeah. doesn't that feel a little weird? Yeah. Doesn't that feel like uh, yeah. oh. uh, has anyone? No, you. I know you, Alex hasn't, but have you seen the episode of Atlanta mm-hmm. where Donald Glover's character goes to that t- uh, parents party?
2: Uh, you mean the uh, the Juneteenth. Yes. Yeah, the Juneteenth party. Yeah, where where, doing, where the one guy... Obviously, co- is
1: not that extensive yeah. or anything like that, but it has that same kind of tokenism. Of yeah, like, that's that's kind of tokenism. Oh, yeah, I, I, I want to talk I, to you I, about oh, that. I totally get it, man. I totally yeah.
2: get it. I'm so woke. Look, look, look up here. I'm so woke. You're like, man. How
0: about the idea... Um, and I mean, Spike Lee had uh I mean, I guess he didn't have to because he's not a major actor or anything like that, really. But he has a role in this film, and it's obviously a pivotal role throughout this, um, but I did find it interesting that he is the delivery person mm-hmm. uh for this that mostly delivers to black people mm-hmm. and has a black person delivering, not an Italian person, which uh
1: well, I think the whole idea that it's a black neighborhood i don't think there's... i understand that right right yeah. but being I mean, mostly black neighborhood yeah
0: but but um
2: the other employees
1: that he would all... hire him to be the delivery boy mm-hmm. okay, I got gotcha. you. Mm-hmm. Uh no absolutely. I don't
2: really like Mookie. I think he's fucking around too much. I think honestly I, I I do think that he's fucking around too much um and and I understand Would
1: you say that if he put ice cubes on your nips?
2: Uh I would fucking punch him in the teeth. Uh Oh,
1: homophobic.
2: If I woke up and some dude was rubbing I never ice said you were asleep. on my fucking nips. Speaking we have I never a problem with sleep. Um I said consent. you were- uh, anyway, I,
1: in my hypothetical,
2: you were consenting. No, that's not a hypothetical. Speaking of
1: homophobic, <sighs> uh, that
0: scene between the two brothers in the back room uh, was dripping with
1: sexual.
2: Te- yeah, a lot of sexual well, tension. And and I, yeah, and I, I'm sorry,
1: was that? I said from one end.
2: From uh John Titoros. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, and I was just like, I'm I'm trying to read. The other look. brother
0: was just kinda like, dude. Yeah. Yeah, but no, it was the the way it was shot and the sweaty bodies, I yeah. was just like, Oh man, they should have gotten Vale Kilmer for this. Yeah. It's like <laughs>
2: a enclosed space and <laughs> I I don't get that joke. Um top gun. Uh,
0: it's a top gun reference. So.
2: Okay. Um but it's uh <laughs> Yeah, I really wanted to wait that scene out before I gave a reaction to it, because I was just like, where is this going to go? Um, the, like, what's happening? The, like? the fact that the father
0: calls for them, and they're like, we'll be right out. It's yeah. just like, oh, no, yeah. hide the salami. Yeah,
2: that's weird. Jesus. It's pretty weird.
0: There's also another hide the salami reference in this film, yeah, which is fantastic, because that's a, that's a reference that's been lost in time, unfortunately. One, yeah. one
2: last moment. I just want to lay into Mookie a little bit more. Yeah, um, do it. I, Fuck Spike Lee. I don't fucking understand.
1: But good for him, though, for giving himself that role. I don't fucking
2: understand. Okay, so so Radio Rahim gets choked out by the police. His body gets to- toted away, and there's all this this... Powder keg of, of of unresolved tension from that initial like dispute that's going on, and I don't understand necessarily what it is that prompts Mookie to take the trash out of the trash can and take the trash can and throw it through the fucking window. What what exactly is is because is it because he wants to get paid? Like, what the fuck is he on? Yeah. Like, no, please tell me because I I I'm I, I, have at loss. Opi- I have an opinion here too. Yeah, I want to hear this. You want to go yeah. first? Do you want me
0: to? Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. I'm sure it's the same thing as. Um, uh, um. Or maybe
0: not. Maybe not. Um, I think he wanted to show that he's not on that side.
2: Huh.
1: I would say yes and no, mm-hmm. which is to say yes. Yeah. However, I feel like that's more of an underlying thing. So the way I the way I read that moment mm-hmm. is that that's. I think when he walked away, that's what he was doing. Mm -hmm. I think the trash can was actually something two steps removed from that. Um, For me, at least, uh, this entire movie takes place over the course of one day. Mm -hmm. And he literally suffers through so many conversations with... Uh, even Sal, who's usually nice to him, uh, mm. but Sal uh, named Vino or Pino? Pino, Pino and Vito, Pino and Vito, yeah. um, whichever one John Caturo is. Uh Pino, so. Pino, Pino is the much uh, more
2: racist one. Oh yeah, Vito and, is the one who's just like trying to just get through the day.
1: And I think the idea is that after not just this day, but after working for them and always being like for them so to speak even because to work there is also to stand up for somebody like pino i mean he even goes home to
0: change out of his brooklyn dodgers jackie robinson jersey and put on his like work yeah. shirt that has his name yeah. on it.
1: Mm-hmm. um but and i think for him at least like to, to to work there is to stand up for somebody like pino which is to say that he disagrees with him mm-hmm. but also he you know understand that some white people be crazy and <laughs> i think at the end of this day to see to see an african-american murdered in his own eyes um i genuinely think it's a form of empathy it's that could have been me which is not to say that he would make the same choices or such but if you're caught in that crossfire there's nothing you can do yeah. if if you are you know quote-unquote living while black, mm. that will protect you from that kind of racism and such. And therefore, I feel like it's, it's just the end of the heat wave. It's just the boiling over of, like, fuck this. Um, this None of this is worth... All the empathy in the world did not save that life. So right. why would it save mine or right. my friends? Although right.
0: I do think an important detail of the uh is that the heat wave didn't end. Yeah.
2: Just continue
0: in this kind, you know, in these kind of films. Yeah. Not
1: I mean, I didn't like the global warming agenda of this <laughs> movie.
2: It's going to be even hotter today. That's what they said. Like, it's yeah. probably going to be I even mean, hotter today. That,
1: that, yeah. you know, that's Sounds like good. you know,
0: we had this horrible event happen, and uh, you know, everyone's just going to pick up the pieces. And, yeah, which is which is true. Like you know, there's there's no riots happening out there because mm. this is just another Thursday, right? And can
1: I just say that? That might be my top five favorite scenes from this movie um, is the final conversation between him and Sal? Oh, that's wonderful. Because there's so much happening there in that scene um, because neither one of them are as upset about the riot as you would expect, I think, from a first-time viewing. Mm. Because you would just think that that would have been like shocking in and of itself. But both of them just lost something that is greater than... The sum of their total life experience, mm-hmm. which is in in you know Mookie's case, it's the sober realization that no matter how friendly you are with, in this case you know white people, that doesn't protect you when the quote unquote bad white people come through right. town. And in Sal's case, no matter how much you, in my opinion, condescendingly bend over to cater to. Another race. And I don't mean that because Sal's a bad person. No. But, like, he thinks he's in a place of, you know, uh, not power,
2: but a place of, like, benevolence.
1: Yes. Yeah. Uh, You're not going to be automatically respected as the savior of that race or something like that. Right. Or that nation. You may accidentally, in this case, maybe not accidentally, but in some way, inadvertently, play a part in the destruction of. Uh, the very people you say you're, yeah. and and this sober realization that you can do something like build that entire shop with your bare hands, mm-hmm. and yet other human beings will take that away from you due to petty race racial differences, despite the fact that all you're ever doing is trying to prove that you're not, uh, you know, in that battle. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, like
0: the, um... and
1: yet by the end they're kind of joking with each other and I kind of like that Mm. like the way they leave that where Mookie is like I owe you 50 bucks and and, uh, I just think that that I I feel like there's barely any other movie shows racism in a more realistic light Mm. which is not like okay the moment Radio Rahim is murdered Mm. that is a realistic thing in the sense that that happens and that's unfortunate but when I walk out of my front door I don't see that
2: Right. Because right. I just
1: don't come across – I mean, I do in the news and whatnot, mm-hmm. but I see more of the
2: – But it's not intimately reflecting your yeah. own environment.
1: And I see more of the damage that people like uh, the sows of the world may accidentally do because of their uh, – because of the way they believe they're doing the right thing. Yeah.
0: Oh, snap. Yeah. Well, okay. that article wrote itself. Great. <laughs> Ah, <sighs> I You can you can also write a letter to Spike Lee now about black
1: Klansmen. It's wonderful. Yeah. This Perfect. is an open letter. Yeah. The, Your uh, film from nineteen eighty nine was horribly offensive.
2: The last uh conversation just going off of that, like the kind of what I took away from it is just like how are we just these two people confronting each other, like sort of Quote-unquote, we're confronting each other and being like, how are we going live, to live with one another? Can we live with live one another? And I don't think they have an answer for that. But what they're going to do is just continue to try and, like, go on and and and, and rebuild and try to, like – And there's no guarantee that this won't happen again. But what else can they do? Where else can they go? Well, they and have-
1: a part of them are severing ties, though. Right. Yeah. And that's the other sad thing. Right is that maybe technically they are better for having each other in their lives mm-hmm. but events like this make that
2: irreconcilable
1: yeah
0: yeah i do love that uh also in a very 1989 move uh Danny Aiello who plays Sale, got an oscar nomination for this film <laughs> but none of the black people oh no of course of course not
1: oh thank god uh, adrian and uh that was a reference to a Mr. Sylvester Stallone.
2: Yeah. First Blood. Yeah, I like that movie. Yep.
0: Yeah, his Golden Globe acceptance speech wasn't the best.
1: Can I just say, really quickly, that I'm kind of excited for the Creed sequel. I think it actually looks horrible. I, I could see it being horrible. Mm-hmm. Like, it's that's not out of the realm of possibility whatsoever. Mm-hmm. But considering I shouldn't have liked the first one, uh, the trailer did not dissuade me and i think that's mostly because i'm just being super charitable but anyway um yeah when a
0: when there's a sequel in this close-up proximity and the director is changed oh as, yeah I never mean, good
1: i'm like if i were to have to put money on it it mm-hmm. would probably be terrible <laughs> so we'll see what happens but uh i haven't given up hope yet no um I
0: do want it to be good. Obviously, I'll go see it. Yeah. Um, but
2: I don't think so. Yeah. Nah. Anyway. What do you guys want to... You want to go into ratings yeah. for... Yeah. Okay. Let's go into ratings for this, and yeah. then we'll talk
0: more about Black Klansman. Um I guess I'll go first. I was a fan of this. I gave this four out of five. Mm-hmm. thought this was a wonderful film. I actually may even like it a little more on a rewatch. Um, I'm not
1: sure. I think everybody does. Could be. And, which, not to say that you... Do or you have to, or anything like that. Mm -hmm. But man, when I went through Letterboxd the other day because I knew we were going to watch this, and Mm -hmm. this would be my first time rewatching it, I saw so many people who had logged it once and logged it twice, and when it was their first time, and uh, it was always higher. And I will say that my rating today is higher than the first one I ever gave. Okay. Mm
0: -hmm. Um, I am really happy that I got to go in this completely fresh because I think it made the ending Mm -hmm. more. I mean, the final act, the entire uh, final 30 minutes of this film, that much better for not knowing the events that transpire.
1: First thing Sal says is, I'm going to kill somebody today. (laughs) Yeah. Damn. That's pretty good. wanted to throw that out there.
0: Yeah. No, it's it's a nice little taste of what a (laughs) rewatch may be like. Um, From start to finish, this is just a wonderful, wonderful put-together film. Even the somewhat iconic opening title sequence, which is very um, abstract. Uh, but Very I,
2: Cosby Show-esque, back when that was sort of a benign thing.
0: I mean, even the font was kind of... Although the font was a little bit more Fresh Prince, but
2: yeah.
0: um, it was... It like As soon as it started, I'm like, oh, it's like the Cosby Show. Yeah, it really is, though. It, yeah. it actually yeah, I mean, pretty much is. Right, yeah. Um, but from start to finish, this film just has... Um, just wonderfully done filmmaking uh, at almost every turn. Uh, you guys had mentioned the final discussion scene between uh, Sal and Mookie. And what I, th- I I thought the way that was shot, actually, that final shot that kind of showed both of them and the burned down mm-hmm. sales, uh pizzeria in the background, I thought was wonderful. Um, I, I thought there was just a lot of great moments and also imagery throughout this this film. And I I think this also just captured what it's like to be in a black neighborhood in New York during heat wave during 1989. Yeah. I I mean, I wasn't there, but
2: it's a movie that now you were, that that very much is of its time.
0: (laughs) I I think so. I mean, this, this seems like it's, it's hitting a lot of the right notes. And I think the other thing too, and I, I, I guess this wouldn't be like a popular opinion, um, but I, I think this film actually kind of says that almost everybody to their core is at least some, has some form of prejudice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, Absolutely. yeah. And that, that not, isn't necessarily like horrible.
1: Mm-hmm. No, I mean, it's realistic. Yeah. yeah. Because um, it's just never, not gonna happen yeah right.
0: Uh, and and I you know in in this day and age where uh, everything has to be one way or the other Mm -hmm. um, that's just not how life is so I think this film really captures that well on both sides both sides
1: I mean the title is do the right thing because the right thing is only the hard thing to do if it goes against your nature which Mm -hmm. if doing the right thing is to be benevolent and peaceful and uh, not racist, that says a lot about the human race as
0: a, mm-hmm. as a whole. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. four out of five for me for Do the Right Thing. I thought it was a wonderful film.
1: I'll really quickly just say sure. four and a half out of five. I think it's a fantastic film, and I definitely think just from the second watch, I noticed a lot little details that I hadn't before. Um, I love that every character in this movie is so wonderfully gray. Like even the worst characters like for example uh, a Pino um you know John Turturro's character he's a horrible person in a lot oh, of yeah. ways oh. but there are some weird background details that I really appreciated for example he's the one that actually takes the bad away from
2: Sal Oh yeah
1: early in the film yeah. uh, you know and there and that's kind of what I love about this movie there are so many moments like that which can say just as much as what the characters are saying because if anything a character like Pino Maybe is not as racist as he says he is because he literally, in my opinion, is dumb Mm. and does not know how to articulate his thought. and I think that's one of the great conversations in the movie is when Moogie and him talk about his favorite uh, pop culture people, you know, his favorite athlete. Oh, but
2: they're not, you know, they're not. They're black, but they're not, you know, they're not black. They're more than black. They've they've transcended. They're like OJ, you know. They they've they've, they transcended. (laughs) And that's one of those things
1: where it, it. I'm not saying any of this... Ooh, to... There's a great O.J. reference in Black Klansman, by the way. Sorry. There it is. Um, and Shh. I'm not saying any of this excuses any of his racism. Oh, no. But I think it's it's an interesting form in the sense that it, he just doesn't even know what he's saying half the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's performative in a lot of ways. He
2: doesn't have because a... Because he
1: might be dealing with his own form of internalized uh, reactions to prejudice. Right.
2: He He doesn't have a... He doesn't have a any type of organized ideology of racism. Not that that would make it okay, but it, it's it sort of almost makes it. I don't want to say it makes it more redeeming of him. It just seems like this guy's got some fucking problems. Easier that he needs to work. handle. He's trying to think
1: about this. The only person he actually physically goes after is mentally challenged, Ugh. and it's him that he says, "See, I told you." Yeah. Like somehow that's a representation of you know a human race as a well. whole. So that's what I mean by he's harmless, quote unquote. Mm-hmm um so anyway i that's just one example um i gotta say it really quick because i didn't say it earlier but my favorite character is the mayor um yeah. i love how much is done with his character considering he's not in it for like you know like a lot but he's certainly in it throughout yeah when but he saves a the kid yeah i like that a lot there's so much and i love about that kid scene by the way is that with his tragic backstory about his own children when he says like i didn't even think about it i just did it like well, maybe because you feel guilty about what happened to your own children. Mm-hmm. I just think there's some lingering, you know, fatherly uh, uh, duty that he's never fulfilled. Uh,
0: I personally still think there's something more going on with his relationship with Ruby D's character here. Mm-hmm. There might be. Uh, which, I mean, it's not like a fan my, theory or something like that. I was, like was going to say, my big
1: thing is that it's 1989 and that feels very Buzzfeedy. Yeah. But <laughs> I, I could see <laughs> that.
0: I see yeah, I, yeah. I I could see that, but... Uh, you know, there's a very standoffish relationship going on with the two of them for which... as long
2: as as people have probably lived in this neighborhood. There's got to be some history between oh, them, absolutely. and yeah. it's and it's probably not nearly as black or black and white as Ooh. as we might, <laughs> not might think. Not nearly as it's... black
0: or black as you would think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, it's...
2: to recap,
1: four and a half out of five for me. Uh,
2: um, the one thing I'm I leave this film with on a on a last impression is that I knew that the other thing I knew about this film by reputation is that this was the film that um, our former president brought his uh, soon-to-be wife on their first date. And I th- think after watching that film, it's like, wow, what a hell of a movie to see on a first date. Like, what kind of conversations do you have after watching Do the Right Thing? Well, imagine if he was fir- dating a white woman. Oh, my God. Um, imagine
0: if she was dating a Kenyan man. This
2: uh, this gets a four out of five for me. I love this film. <laughs> I can't wait to watch it again. I know that it will probably improve upon um, re-watching. It's just, it, it I, I feel like this is just going to be a film that's going to, offer a lot more and from repeated viewings gonna so, stick with you yeah yeah definitely so we're moving on in history
0: uh moving we'll
1: back really
2: oh no. boy are we
0: well, literally yeah, this, <laughs> the events happened prior to this oh but, you know. boy yeah well, i mean
1: that, that's just... or did they
0: not according to boots same as it ever was same as it ever was <laughs> So the film uh, we're talking about is Black Klansman, which is currently in theaters. Although I'm sure when we actually put this episode on, it will probably already be on Blu-ray. We'll be dated. <laughs> <laughs>
1: what? <laughs> what? <laughs> wow. gonna murder us? Yeah, I guess so. And I guess a murder-suicide pact.
2: Fuck you.
1: <laughs> You're the one who said we'll be dead.
2: No, I said we'll be dated.
1: Uh, oh no, I thought you said dead Yeah, so did I it. didn't say dead It sounded like dead we'll, we'll, The it, listeners we'll listen will be able to tell us that you said dead that. We'll be dead <laughs> We'll be dead in... <laughs> no? I, don't,
3: I don't think so Continue.
0: So Black Klansman is the newest film of Spike Lee's uh, And this film was at Was it at Sundance or just Cannes? I don't know Cons. Just I want to say okay. Yeah Definitely not
1: Sundance. Wasn't
0: that Sundance? Okay. I wanna
1: say cons. Okay. And this film
0: did get really strong early buzz uh from a lot of different sources. A lot of reactions. Mm mm-hmm. Lot of reactions. Yep. And we all went to go see it. We sure and did. we all have, I think, different opinions on it. We sure do. Mm hmm. Yeah. Thank thank you for that. <laughs> You're delightfully playing uh <laughs> Samuel L. Jackson's character from Django Unchained here, so that's wonderful.
1: (laughs) She isn't. Payne. Didn't I say that in the last episode? I think so. Yeah. That's
0: that's pretty good. So Ron Stallworth, an African-American police officer from Colorado, successfully manages to infiltrate the local Ku Klux Klan with the help of a white surrogate, who eventually becomes the head of the local branch. This film, uh, directed by Spike Lee, although this had multiple different writers, uh, stars John David Washington, who is Denzel Washington's son, Mm -hmm. as Ron Stallworth, and also features performances by Adam Driver, Laura Harrier, Topher Grace, and also to a... Very intriguing early scene involving Alec Baldwin. <laughs> yeah. Really quick. The one girl is from The Leftovers, right? Mm. Uh, no. Oh, no. Actually, uh, I... She kind of looks like does, her. She does. I'm she, not crazy. She does. I actually thought the same thing. Okay. But when I found out where she was from, because we have seen her before, I was okay. actually pretty blown away. What is it? So, she played Peter Parker's love interest in Spider-Man Homecoming last year. What the...
2: Oh, my God! The I other
1: girl! No! Right? Yo! Not right? the Zendaya character. No! MJ, but the one yeah. he was trying to go mm-hmm. to prom with. Yeah! So, uh, Michael Holy Keaton's shit! Awesome. Yes. Oh, my oh, God. Wow.
2: Wow. <laughs> Damn.
1: I'm sorry, but with her hair pooped out, she looks, she looks just way, like you The glasses... She looks mm-hmm. way older. Yeah. Yeah, but the glasses yeah. literally yeah, no. looked like... Evie's blank stare in the season two finale. Mm-hmm. So I will I'm say, not racist. No, no. Well, no, no, I, 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 I mean I am, but not in this well, particular well, I, I, I
0: I will I will say, uh the entire film, it's funny you bring that up because A, I thought that way, but uh B
1: I was so confident that I didn't even look it up because yeah, I just thought like, it might didn't, be her. didn't
0: even look it up. Um John David Washington, uh I actually think really looks like her father and actually kinda sounds like him too. <sighs> Shut up. Come on, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> yeah, you know it's true. Um, there was no crickets passed between them, <laughs> but sure. you know, duh.
1: Okay, before we get to our opinions on the movie, can, can we, we say? Ca- yes. can I just say
0: one yeah, thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, this featured yet another appearance by Isaiah Whitlock Jr. Yeah, uh, it was great. Shit, and that guy has just made a living off of just seeing that. I one mean, weird. why shouldn't he? I. It's I great if he you sell- can do that. He sells merchandise, wouldn't you? <laughs> Yes, but <laughs> it's fucking awesome, it because is. I just feel like anytime time I see that guy, I'm like, I know him from somewhere, oh, and then shit. you're quickly reminded of where it's from. I mean,
1: yeah. we just talked about Do the Right Thing. Spike Lee is in no way above just inserting subtle, if not unsubtle, references to past pop culture, you know, African-American heritage, so yeah, yeah. I think it's right at home. Yeah. So, that, that being said, go right ahead. I just really quickly, before we even say what we think about or the movie as far as whether we like it or dislike it, Mm. I kind of want to address the elephant in the room. I know what you're talking about, yeah. Which is the Boots Riley statement. Uh Uh-huh. Which you don't even have to read in the sense that I'm going to say at least a summation of it. Yeah, please. Which is that Boots Riley uh, eloquently wrote a very kind of long thing and posted it to Twitter. A takedown.
2: A scathing takedown. Kind
1: of. Um, saying, and I'm just going to say what he said before I say what I think about
2: this. Okay. But
1: after I say it, I only really want to discuss in this opening thing whether we think that this is a valid... Reading. Reading. Well, I was going to say a valid lens to look at anything in cinema historically. Like, is this... What means to an end is this, basically? So, right. he published a thing saying how he was not a fan of Black Klansman. Mm-hmm. He loved Spike Lee. I mean, he says, A, hey, um, so just because I do want to be fair, he actually got his one of his first record things through 40 Mules and yeah. whatnot, so mm-hmm. it's not like he there's any love lost between the two, and right. obviously, d- Do the Right Thing is a huge influence on him, because I actually did think about Do the Right Thing a lot when watching Sorry to Bother mm-hmm. You, not... Because they're both black movies, but because of the way Booth uh, captured, uh, what's his name, walking Through the Neighborhood, uh-huh. and people popping through windows, it just felt very much like in uh, in that wheelhouse. Right. Um, but he basically says that to say this movie is based upon a true story is damaging, and the story that this movie is trying to put forward is also damaging, and the reason lies within this which is that the real story is that ron stalworth was an african-american cop who maybe was not a great person Mm -hmm. um he a the extent of the ku klux klan case that he did work on like that part's true obviously Mm -hmm. was mostly just four years of clerical work and phone calls and it was Yes, they did send a white person in his place to do in person meetings, but they were never important meetings, you know? Uh, it was just literally a placeholder right. until he made the
2: next call and whatnot. This is a dramatization of yeah. sort of four, five, six plus years of real life events condensed into the space of like six months. Um, yeah. Of a month, yeah. No so.
1: film has ever done this before. No. And Jeez. also, um, how he was also, Ron Stallworth apparently was very readily available to do uh, reconnaissance on African-Americans as well. Mm, I mean, yeah. we see it in the beginning of this yeah. movie, but the Ron Starworth in this film pretty much changes gears after doing it once mm. uh, and doesn't even really give them anything to go off of because he defends them, which and whatnot. And so Boots Riley is basically saying that not only is this a lie of a movie, but the message it is sending, whether it's a lie or not, is that this is a kind of propaganda-esque film, and I don't know if he used the P word, but I'm using it because right. that's kind of what he was implying, right. which is to say that it's very troubling that in 2018 a very prominent and you know well-respected uh, African-American filmmaker would choose to tell a tale set during the 70s <laughs> of such... Uh, wonderful relations between a African-American officer and an all-white you know, police uh, squad mm-hmm. where they worked so seamlessly together to quote-unquote fight the very stereotypical racism of the Dukes of Hazzard-esque you know, hillbillies and not actually ever once address the fact that not only would none of this happen but it would never happen with such ease and such uh, you know,
2: such little pushback from yeah. a a department which is just now only entertaining its first like, like because even in in his in his first interview when he's actually like talking to them, it's like, how would you feel if somebody called you like a nigger? How how would you feel if somebody called you that? And he just like he's just kind of like stoked about it. And he's and it's never really a moment when but he's I do like actually his answer faced when he said would they. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Which
1: is kind of actually interesting. But.
2: Yeah, and it's like but he's never really faced with a a a
1: He gets pushed his files get pushed over
2: once. And there's this one racist guy, right. obviously, obviously who's But like, I mean like
1: it's like a, it's literally like that could happen between two white people if, if you just have an alpha male in, right. in
2: the squad. He's just a douchebag. Whatever. Yes. Um I mean so I, my question I could totally is... see him being in the Ku Klux. Anyway, continue.
1: So then my question, my springboard, really quick, before we say if we like the movie as itself or whatever mm-hmm. Do you think that the movie should be beholden to facts and the truth? And do you think... It's a two-fold question. That's the first question. And do you think that the movie, or any movie, I should say, not Black Klansmen, but any movie should also be beholden to the time that it comes out in, in the sense that it should be more, quote-unquote, woke?
2: Um... My answer is no, I don't think that it should be beholden necessarily. To you can still
1: dislike black Clans, I, man.
2: I, I here's the thing. I don't think that art's the the problem of art the first problem of art is not political, it's aesthetic, and I know that that's something that boots Riley has has pretty much beat his head against like he says like no, all art is political, and I'm just like, you know that's fine, it's like that's a reading, but it's not one that i I agree with in in all terms. Uh, just because I'm, I'm not about to end up like fucking Charlie from Always Sunny and having like Pepe Sylvia like streaming <laughs> across my fucking wall. Just looking at Pepe Sylvia, Pepe Sylvia and all, all of my fucking like movies and art and stuff that I enjoy. But I think that, you know, I disagree with him in, in that respect. But I do agree with him that, you know, there is something to be said about t- the telling of a story. And which story you decide to tell, with what material you do have, and I also but that
1: have... is independent of what the real story is, isn't it?
2: Yes, kind of. Yes, and I'm just like I. I, I think that there is is something there. There is something deeply uh, suspicious, not suspicious, but a little bit concerning with the absence of that very realistic dynamic, which is then sort of like catapulted for or, or jettisoned in the, in the wake of sort of this condensed uh, uh, anti-racist, like it's supposed to be more of an explicit anti-racist, like sort of like crusade, but it doesn't feel like it's addressing the very heart of the source of that. It's not just hillbillies in a, in a, in a rural town, like, racism is also written to the structure of power and how that power is, is disseminated throughout a community. Also not only by the people who work as outliers against like said authority, but also those who disseminates that authority among like, like black and and minority people. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Do you have any thoughts as far as fact versus fiction? Oh,
0: no, my, my, uh, I mean, everyone is entitled to their own opinion. Yeah, but right. my, my opinion on that part of uh, Boots Riley's article is that that was just pretty much silly to me. Um, you know, in, in film, in most other mediums, uh, you know, stories are not... The real story is never anything that's going to keep people's interest for two hours at the cinema. Like, you're always going to have a... Change in what the actual story is to make it more entertaining, and that's why most films that are
2: real life seldom follows a three act structure.
0: <clears throat> yeah, um, and you you can't you cannot. It, it's just like the same thing with people who compare uh, books to movies. Like you can't uh, to me. Obviously, they're easy to compare because they are the same. They are they are the same property but at the same time it's a completely different medium and you need to do your story in a dramatically different way to get across the same storyline. Yeah. Um so for me I uh, I thought that part of it I uh, I was kind of not crazy about because I just disagree with that um yeah. but Boots Riley is, is obviously is a pretty appealing up-and-coming filmmaker who has done a lot of work already, <laughs> a lot of which but I'm not necessarily familiar with, but he seems to have a lot of talent and is, is seems to be uh, very, very much uh, just a, a talented person. So, yeah. um, uh But to me, the, as, as a viewer, that's not the reading I would have. Right. Uh, I guess I'll say that my opinion, and I, I guess this is getting a little more into my actual opinion of the film uh saying this but i I really enjoyed this movie and i i really enjoyed the way this film looked at race even if it's looking at it through a bit of a rosy eye Mm -hmm. because i feel like at some point uh you're just gonna need to make strides uh and it's going to take people actually wanting to do that Mm -hmm. um and seeing it on film isn't
1: necessarily the worst thing in my opinion So here's what I'll say in response to the booth. And then I'll kick it to you, I think for opening. Sure. That's fine. Um, I deeply respect Boots Riley as a filmmaker. Yeah. I very much enjoyed. Sorry to bother you. And I really want to see his next movie. If he decides to make another one. Um, But I was not, I was kind of (laughs) disappointed by his three page Twitter rant, whatnot. Mm -hmm. Because it felt very much like he was trying to be the Neil deGrasse Tyson of wokeness, oh, man. and I know N- and
2: Neil deGrasse Tyson is already the Neil deGrasse Tyson of of wokeness, so that's like and I know I'm being an shit. asshole right he now. He isn't. Well, 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 first off, I Neil deGrasse Tyson is kind of an asshole. So oh I'm yeah, saying, yeah, Not yeah, kind of. Yeah.
1: And what I say a... that what I mean is if I don't read anything in. Boos essay and disagree with any mm-hmm. of it on a factual basis but nowhere did it prove as to why as to why this particular story and representation uh, that lies therein is necessarily damaging and I, he states it is but he spends so much time in saying what actually happened that he doesn't talk about what just happened on screen mm. And it's not that I'm not open to hearing valid criticism of Black Klansmen, but I didn't feel like he actually did that. I just felt like he wanted people to know that Spike Lee is a quote unquote liar, and like don't pat yourself on the back to think that we haven't that that this happened so to speak. Something and- is
2: interesting, at least thinking about Boots Riley's. Um- Position on this, and I didn't mean to interrupt you, but the juxtaposition of how police force and police resources are delegated to the monitoring, the monitoring of the Black Student Union, uh, like, like event, and the Ku Klux Klan sort of like surveillance, like fit, and how one of them was just had very, had very very little, like, substance necessary in order to justify what they did, but they still went through with it, versus, like, the entire course of this film, which then ultimately ends with the the program being, pre, like, prematurely just, like, shuntered and just, like, thrown away. And I'm just like, are you afraid that you're going to get caught in this dragnet? If 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 it goes on long enough, because something's kind of there's some fuckery going on around here, and I don't know if I like that. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, and I can totally see that. So my last statement before we go into opening thoughts is basically that when it comes to what Boots Riley is saying, I basically understand it completely, but in my opinion, if you it. He didn't learn the lesson of his own movie, which is if you can't offer an alternative
2: then there is no there is no solution. It'll just correct. continue, yeah.
1: And in my opinion, there because you you failed to do that in your essay, mm-hmm. then you spent so much time Doing that rather than trying to pick out maybe some good parts of this. And I say good parts, not like filmmaking, even though I think that's there. But just like actual message or at least some uh, valid reasons as to maybe why this movie exists in the form that it does.
2: He forgot to do the right thing.
1: So Alex,
2: you want to start us off?
1: Sure. Um,
0: I very much enjoyed this film. I actually thought that just from start to finish, this is actually just a well-made film. Um, You can... If you just set aside the content here, I mean, in terms of uh, comedy cues and uh, acting between actors and actresses, uh, this is just a well-done work of film, which just makes this easy to watch, I think, for me at least, from start to finish. Uh, Now... To go to the other side of coin of that, um, I, I think that this is also an entertaining film, and I just really like the way that this film goes from the very beginning of this until the end. And it's very interesting to me uh, that really we start and end basically in the same place, uh, which I, I find pretty pretty interesting that even though all these events happening he still is basically in the exact same spot when the film started just that many months later um the the idea of of uh him being hired uh and then being sent undercover to come get reconnaissance uh I, i actually felt very not uncomfortable with that, but I thought that entire sequence was actually fantastic because it had this weird Nat Turner thing going on for me of the, mm. the, uh, Oh, he's
2: our boy. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: And he, with he, he, how he's, much
1: he's okay with it.
0: Yeah. He's going to fit in. And at the same time, he's going to, uh, record data for that. Uh, I, I will say that, um, good thing about the end of that is that when it did end like his opinion of what actually happened isn't like turned around they're like well you don't know what actually happened there you're just thinking that because you're black like adam driver's <laughs> character agrees with them and also steve Buscemi's brother who was in this yeah he, it was really bizarre that he was there but he was there uh they obviously both concurred with him and whatever and then we move on to the actual meat of the story uh of what this film is um But in that regard, I thought this was was pretty, pretty great. Um, And then I actually thought Adam Driver was really good in this as well. Uh, I also thought Topher Grace was really good as David Duke in a uh, bizarrely restrained role, which I think uh, just hammers home exactly what David Duke is, is he's just this slimy, racist guy who wants to appear to be not that Play by it's funny Grace. how
1: we. It's yeah. funny how we say like the real life is never as exciting as you know the movies and whatnot, but I actually, and I'll spoiler say that I was a fan of this movie, but mm-hmm. I will say that I would have actually rather have watched a movie of an, enti- made entirely of the phone calls between the two of them, yeah, because I just thought that was never not playing to both those actors' strengths and um, just never. I mean,
0: the 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 opening uh, that was not the David Duke, but his opening phone call when he calls the guy from the KKK and the other gentlemen in the room, their reactions as they turn around, uh, a, that was delightful. And B when, uh, he comes He comes to the realization that he gave him his actual name yeah. um, that was pretty
2: that that guy I can't remember the name of the actor, but I know he plays Tom Keene on the show The Blacklist, back when I used yeah. to watch that and uh that's not the first time he's played like a like a Nazi well he's playing an undercover Nazi on that show, but he's a really good actor. He's got, like, a lot of... I thought you are going
1: to say really good at being a Nazi. No, he's well, he's he got
2: is. he's got really good range, and, you know, he's... Are we talking about Walter, or are we talking about... I'm talking about the guy with the mustache who's yeah, talking to... me. May... Uh...
1: what okay. I call the uh, less surfer version of Luke Wilson. <laughs> yeah. Okay.
0: He he is the... He was picked to be the leader because he's not a psychopath. Yeah, That's pretty much.
1: And because they can just string him along. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. is kind of funny.
0: Um it's it's um it's probably really easy to say that this is uh the favorite part of of the film for anybody uh but the in the third act when we see all of the clan members watching birth of a nation uh the original yeah. um uh and eating popcorn with their wives and they are all just screaming very horrible obscenities and then we have this very emotional story being told uh about the boy who's Murdered and by
1: Harry Belafonte, by the way, yeah, which is amazing mm-hmm. uh and
2: then talking about a birth of the nation, yeah, know, cross cuts to that
0: uh name. and and it's such a simple and actually really easy thing to do, uh but the juxtaposition of white power and black power power being uh cheered on by both at the same time was actually I thought fucking wonderful, uh just because it shows. Two groups, uh, both saying the same words for much different reasons, mm-hmm. uh, and I, I just, I just thought that that was. I, know, I, I liked so many parts of this film, and I thought it was just a wonderfully done movie, and that I thought was entertaining and dramatic, and had uh, very sad and sorrow filled moments throughout, and also too, uh, you know, left me thinking about things like the fact. Adam Driver is at the cross burning at the end, even though people have uh, told him not to be in the KKK anymore and whatever. But That was still... him? That was him? I thought so. When they go under just... the hood, it looks
1: just when like I... him. When so I, I, I was
2: when I went with my friend, he said the same thing. Yeah. yeah. I've seen I'm... it
1: twice, and I genuinely, every time the camera zooms in on that, I'm like, am I supposed to know who that is? Yeah. But I never once thought it was him. Because...
2: I think that's the point, that you're supposed to suspect that it's him, but you're not really quite sure. Yeah. But if it is
1: him, that's really bizarre. Um, is it
2: though? It's like I'm. Kind I of, mean, yeah. but, but I think that. Yeah, no,
1: that's actually extremely bizarre. Like, why would he be there?
2: Um, a sense of solidarity.
1: <sighs>
2: with, with but the, that com- completely but goes against his character for the entire film. He's so
1: uncomfortable with it. So why would he now that the case is over? Especially
0: since he's Jewish, I think that makes it even more.
1: Mm. No, 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 <laughs> no, no, no! I'm, not, I'm not even saying. But I'm saying, like, why would he go out of his way to show? I'm not saying, like, why wouldn't he be racist after this, or why wouldn't he be whatever?
2: But like, my my reading on this, and I could be totally wrong, but when I when I when I sort of saw that and I suspected that it might be him, I thought he's already one. I don't I don't even think. Well, the more that I I, I try to peel it back around my head is like there's reasons why it, it could be him and why it couldn't be him mm-hmm. the reasons why it couldn't be him i was like wait a minute he doesn't have a fucking card anymore like how could he still be able to attend these sort of meetings and be well, able, i think like, the
0: card is more of just uh that's like a like, pretense or something yeah, like
2: that they, right you don't it's have like, to yeah.
0: show your card to go to a crossburn yeah know, it's like you, couldn't they just but,
2: but like the three people that
1: would know who he is died.
2: yeah they yeah, th- so yeah they died right but um and the reasons why he would be there are by the
1: way, that's convenient
2: <laughs> he always talk, he, that never he's talked he's <laughs> talked about in in like numerous scenes where like he's never truly conscious of his of his heritage of really like making that like a a of like who he is until like this moment, and I think that he might be fundamentally uncomfortable with that, and that maybe this somehow is a way of him. Not only sort of trying to find solidarity with like sort of like an adoptive community or something like that, but also to push aside something in himself that he would rather not acknowledge. If that makes sense.
1: It makes sense. But my thing is this. Like everything you're saying makes sense.
2: But there's still. Whether it makes sense in the actual film.
1: But there's still a gap between that and and. Staying with the KKK, right? Like that is still another leap, especially as a cop. Especially, as, I mean, it's not like he's just an average Joe who can just join the KKK. No, but but he is
0: he is no longer undercover, so he is going because he wants to. No, way, right?
1: Which is a, yeah. But I I guess I I just feel like that's such a weirdly cynical yeah thing when the movie is pretty positive. Mm. And which I think maybe to a fault, yeah. Because I mean, like, does that mean everything he did in that movie was bullshit? Like him, like being happy for Ron when they bring down the racist cop. Him saying this is bullshit after the the captain tells everyone that the case never happened. I mean, like, sort of all these just. Like performative yeah. gestures I, I, on those parts. I, th- I think it Puts I'm, on a lot of performances. I'm, I'm kind of with.
0: Oh, Tus- I'm, I'm with Tucson here that it is that it is um, it is knowingly ambiguous. Right, like you're never supposed to for sure that you can tell that it that, that it could
1: be anybody. So weird to me. I understand. I'm, I'm only I'm because with you because I genuinely I haven't even heard it on the internet heard anybody say that it could be Adam Driver. So, like, this is the first time I'm hearing it, mm-hmm. yeah. so I'm still trying to, like, process it. That's yeah, right.
2: I'm... Yeah. Another thing about the ending, just, like, right before... And also, that... I'm
0: done with my opening remarks. Sorry. If you wanna If you want to go on, yeah. you, you can.
2: Yeah, it was, like, something yeah. about the... Um. I'll, I'll, I'll just say this, and then I'll finally la- wrap up my opening remarks. Well, have you even started them yet? Sorry, yeah. <laughs> um... Like, there's the the dolly shot down the hallway right before you actually get to, like, the actual, like, cross-burning, which I thought was a very interesting, like, placement for that shot because that's, like, one of the most iconic, like uh indulgences or 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 motifs visual motifs of like spikely's work which looking back now is like it's very interesting that that did not show up in do the right thing at all like what is his like most well-known film it doesn't have like one of his most signature like camera like tricks it's like so yeah that's pretty cool um but yeah i i thought this movie was okay i thought it kind of like hit a very middle road sort of impression for me. I enjoyed it, but there was just some parts about it that maybe like going off of like what boots Riley was, was talking about, like that sort of irked me. That sort of like felt a little bit like, uh, I don't know how I feel about this. Like not trying to like, not going on, on, on some type of rant of like, like vilifying cops or anything like that. But I just, I feel like there, there is something that is lacking that we don't really even tackle with what might be the internalized racism of this department in using him for this specific, like, like black operation. And then, like, how much are they actually willing to, like, support him in, like, this whole KKK thing? I was like, I don't feel like we get to really, like, we don't get really explore that. It's always, like, it's always undercover black cop undercover white cop versus the evil like over-the-top racist and then there's like a crazy explosion the whole structure of this film is kind of weird to me because it's trying to contrive like again a 3x structure out of like real life events which i don't think anywhere near ended as as climactically as this did and just like eh, it's kind of there was never any prevented no i mean or anything like no, that. no there's nothing anything like that it's just like it's it's like eh, it's like yeah, it's it's kind of weird. The the opening scene with Alec Baldwin, I realized later on right before the Ku Klux Klan members were about to watch A Birth of a Nation and David Duke was talking about the doctor that he was consulting with, that was Alec Baldwin's character. Yeah. And I think that's really fucking weird to introduce a character at the very beginning with such an explosive such a such a a a, a invective of a of an opening.
1: And think about also that opening and how much it uh, harkens back to some of Spike Lee's own images.
2: Yeah. And then to have it. And then ha- to have that character not reappear, but only be marginally referenced in like one sentence by another character and then totally just like left off the board. That's fucking weird.
1: Well, it was groundbreaking science.
2: Oh, man. Yeah. But I thought that it this. It is a factor. I thought that this film was okay. Um, I'd have to watch it again. Uh, I thought that some of the references to uh, contemporary day racism were a little bit he- – not even a little bit. They were just heavy-handed. Heavy-handed to the point where I just really didn't have any taste for them whatsoever. I didn't take any like satisfaction out of gotta it. Got to make this country great again. And, the, yeah, th- and then there goes to the, uh, the Charlottesville footage that was used at the end, which I – was left shocked by and i was also left i was both shocked and very left cold by it i'm just like i do not appreciate how i didn't appreciate how heavy-handed some of the 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 illusions were before now that you just use this and and not only like a powerpoint you use it as a fucking powerpoint you use this footage from the vice documentary on the charlottesville like um uh
1: I will say, just because we're a podcast, right. um, Spike Lee did ask Heather Hire's parents' permission. Mm-hmm. He didn't ask anybody else, but to be fair, she was the only fatality yeah. from that event. So
2: uses that footage, then a memorial just, to her with with her image, and then an image of a black and white upside down flag, which is supposed to denote something of an emergency, a state of emergency, and stuff like that. That was that that felt like to me like that's like the Black Klansman equivalent of like the Lord of the Rings ending like five fucking times. Like it felt like a little bit way too indulgent for me. Yeah. So yeah, those are my initial thoughts, I guess.
0: <laughs> I mean, uh, for the inclusion of the, the real images at the, the end of the film, um, and also to obviously the inclusion of Donald Trump talking about how there's bad people on both sides. Um, uh, I mean, I feel like I actually didn't hate it. To be totally honest with you, yeah. I mean, I, I I feel like it is a a weird collection or a weird connection between what we see in this film and then what we see. I, I guess what I'm trying to say is that he's he's trying to clearly plant a flag in the ground of what his message of this film is. Yeah. Um. And However. Hmm.
1: I don't know that he always knows what his message is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, to include, and I say this once again as a fan of this movie, but I will say, to include Trump's now infamous quote of there are bad people on both sides in the same film in which he cross cuts between black power and white power, mm-hmm. I I don't know. I think yeah. there are moments in this movie where he's out of touch. Right. Moments. I'm not saying the the whole movie or whatever. It's but
2: like, are you inadvertently playing into the hand of that very statement that you're trying to deride?
1: And I think not because he's genuinely trying to push messages as such, like that, you know, like Trump's agenda, so to speak, but because he's so indulgent. But now at the age that he is, and after making so many uh, mediocre films and whatnot. Um, the only way he was going to become vital again, which I think he now is with Black Klansman. I mean, we're talking about it. I mean, what was the, when would have been the last time we would have ever talked about a Spike Lee film on this podcast? It never would have because his this last, his last started, good film
0: was probably Inside
1: Man, right, which was and, 10 plus years ago. Exactly. So I feel like the only way he was ever going to be vital again was if he, A, addressed certainly race issues of this time, which is... To quote uh, Will Ferrell from Zoolander, "is so hot right now," <laughs> uh, Hansen, and, so hot right now, and and B to to do it in his very signature overindulgent style, which unfortunately in this case leads to uh, mixed messages. Which when he was young, in the case of something like "Do the Right Thing," it became this overwhelming sea of empathy. But in this case, it's more of an overwhelming uh, sense of the movie getting away from him a little bit. Huh? Yeah. So, anyway.
2: That's yeah. fair. Continuing. Yep. Uh, is there anything else anybody wants to like bring to the head about this?
0: Well. Well, Nick hasn't even given it his opening thoughts yet. So. I'm going to give
2: those. I'm going to give you a lie detector text. You want to see my dick? Nope. I'm not taking
0: your sh- fucking Jew detector test. I want sh- <laughs> to
1: show you my dick. Uh, oh,
0: Adam Driver. Uh, this is such a small thing, but his uh, penis. <laughs> maybe anyway. Um. Uh. But when uh, it pretty probably will be somewhat infamous moment of this film, which is the walk-off phone call uh, between Ron Stallworth and, and David Duke. Uh, When the other officers sitting there listening in, which is a thing that happens throughout the rest of the film too, it's not just in that one scene. Uh, But um, I just love when David Duke says something about how their actions were heroic, and then you just kind of hear Adam Driver just heroic. It was just the way he said it, and just was kind of off, off screen, off. uh, You know, just you'd have to be paying attention to hear it. Was just. Just delightful. Yeah. Yeah. I also love too how he can't cut his hair because of Kylo Ren. That's really kind of fucking bothering me now, because this is like the yeah, fourth stared f- everything even before Kylo Ren. Uh, not always. Like what didn't he?
2: I don't know. That reminds me. I wanted <laughs> to see Patterson. Great movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's one thing I just yeah. remembered mm-hmm. that was fucking weird, and I want to know if you guys noticed it. Um, where there were scenes where. It would be sort of like a like a uh, um like a uh, an ex- an, an exclamatory sort of moment where either somebody would slam a phone or do a high five like after like the final like conversation with David Duke and it would be a double cut where it would just be the same shot mm-hmm. yeah it, what was the fucking point of that that was, it was really sp- weird Spike
1: Lee. um there was a lot of that kind of i would say indulgence throughout this whole movie it's it's There are Dutch angles. There are um, – there's just a lot of that kind of flamboyant filmmaking. Yeah. And so I don't know that there was a, uh, a point to it necessarily. Yeah. It just... Other than to liven up something that was probably not as uh, exciting on paper as it may have been even in the, even the final brother, yeah. uh, whether you like it or
2: not. I mean I thought it was effective, but it was yeah. just very weird to like see that in the theater. It was just mm-hmm. like, wait, am I – was was there a point of that cut? And it was like the continuity is a little bit off, and I think that might be the point that they're trying to draw attention yeah. to it, yeah. just to make it more like impactful. Like,
1: uh... yeah, um, I, I have to say that I like this film. I think almost every criticism that's been leveled against it is absolutely right on. But what I think that those criticisms don't speak to is the fact that in my opinion this is a blockbuster like this isn't in my this isn't your typical biopic you know we are not a focusing on a subject that everyone wants to know more about like a winston churchill or whatever yeah uh or b we are not trying to dig deeper into the ramifications of a real story because this movie is so far removed from the real story that it's actually just trying to take the seed from uh, an anecdote and just tell its own thing mm. about it. Um, and and I don't know, I just think everything about this movie is, It's. I mean, it's messy as all hell, but it's, this is the kind of, escapist entertainment I wanna watch, which is probably bad to say, but like I love to be confronted with the horrors of the real world mm. and uh I I mean exploitation is maybe my favorite genre, so yeah. certainly I'm no stranger to that. But if I'm gonna sit down and just be properly entertained by something, I also don't want to uh not be reminded of shit. <laughs> right. And so that's kind of why I kind of gravitated toward this, which is to say that it is such escapist fare that it's kind of laughable at times. But I would rather escape with this any day than most average mainstream films. Yeah. I, I I can't take people in spandex and capes seriously. But you know what? I can kind of lose two hours to a white cop and a black cop trucking along and fighting racism. I mean, even though they have those conversations, this is not in the territory of exploitation mm-hmm. because it doesn't want to push forward against its own white audience as much as it could have. Um, but I I just thought it was funny. I thought, well, I thought parts of it was funny. Yeah, I thought it was pretty well shot. Um, I think Spike Lee was quote unquote back in mm. a big way, just as a filmmaker. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite sequences in this entire movie, um, and it's a little thing, but it's when, when, um, th- what's her name? The not girl from a leftover, uh, what's her name of the movie? Uh, Patrice,
3: mm-hmm. when
1: Patrice comes back from the, uh, Stokely Carmichael, uh, Kwame Tore speech. Mm-hmm. She comes back to the uh right there?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> uh when she comes back to the bar to meet Ron Stallworth's character. Uh yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um and she had just been accosted by the racist police officer alongside um Kwame Tore and whatnot. And are you laughing because I'm saying Kwame Ture? No. I don't know if I'm supposed to call him Stuartly Carmichael no, or that's, to- that's not why. Okay.
0: No. don't hey. you enlighten us on why you're laughing. There. <laughs> I think she's kind of cute.
1: Who
2: me? No, I thought uh, Patrice is kind of cute. Oh, I thought you were talking about me. No.
0: And um, because of the afro or just that actress? No, she's just
2: cute, and the afro is really
0: cute too. She's so, also so do you laugh. think she was cute in Spider-Man: Homecoming too? No. Oh. <laughs> okay. No.
1: She was ugly as fuck.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say, no, I just I didn't say it. black girls with straight hair, not Tucson.
2: No, was just like she just had like the whole afro going she on. Was
1: like, she well, was yeah. a cutie pie.
2: Yeah, she's a cutie pie. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Please continue.
1: Sorry. <laughs> so when she goes back to the bar to meet him for their <laughs> kind of date, one thing I love, and I feel like there are moments like this throughout the movie that is easy to miss if you are trying to pick it apart for its either realism or for its, uh, you know, fabricated sense of community between blacks and whites. But the moments when black people exist together on screen without white people, I actually thought were pretty powerful and or mundane in all the right ways. Because when she comes back after being accosted by um, the racist cop uh, on their ride home. Well, I know you love that racist
0: cop uh, ending scene too, how they tied that up. It's just so wonderful (laughs) that they
1: got him. Scooby Doo! Oh my God! Gotten away
2: with it! That fucking like explosion! I was like, I thought that was just like uh, I, I was talking what about are you me, talking what are you talking about? about? I was, we were talking about something else. Sorry, it's like the the <laughs> the explosion of the Nazis. In, oh, that was funny. In, and funny, no, in, in of, of the of the KKK <laughs> members in the in the, in the fucking car. I thought it was scary. how they inadvertently like blew themselves up. I was like yeah. cackling yeah. with my friend afterwards. Like that was just like a fucking like Scooby Doo trap that just like blew no. up in their face. Yeah, we're
1: talking about the actual Scooby-Doo moment. He's rightly, I think, pointing out that I was not a big fan (laughs) of it. I didn't hate it, but I did find it very silly. When they're at the restaurant bar and they catch the racist cop in action, and everybody in the bar yeah. is, like, in on it. And it's literally, like, the Malcolm X uh, Starship Trooper, I'm, a, yeah. I'm doing my part, yeah. type scene. Um, that felt like Scooby-Doo. Yeah. whatnot. Uh, but They're high-fiving, too, after yeah. that? Is they're arresting him? I yeah. mean, they're like... Even the captain, just like, Oh, ho, we you're got, going
2: to jail! We got rid of the one racist cop in we the entire department. It. But did they get rid of him, though? We got rid of the one bad apple. That's all they, they got.
0: They arrested him and took him back to the jail where his coworkers
2: were I, yeah. I don't know yeah no, they I, got rid of the one bad apple
1: they sure did um but that just felt He's like back the next buddy time. the elf in new york going like, <laughs> going to the coffee shop that's pretty fucking good we did it wow World's best cup of coffee okay but the scene that i loved actually mm-hmm. um was when patrice comes to meet him in the bar to tell him about the the story of being accosted and halfway through their conversation between the two of them, as one who's a cop, and she doesn't know that, and her as just recently a victim of police brutality. Um, The way he kind of discards that conversation for the moment so that they can go dance in the back room to uh, the song that I believe, I believe, I believe, I'm falling in love. And how that song kind of goes on for a while, but I just thought that was one of my favorite scenes in cinema. Because I just, I just like... (laughs) As a white person. Yeah. Okay. It's a good song. It's a good song. But also, I don't think I'd ever truly thought about the... I mean, I always heard about it and theorized about it just from talking to people and whatnot. But I'd never seen it quite so eloquently put as to the dichotomy of what it's like to be black in America. Which is like, those conversations are just bar talk. Like, yeah. This is what's happening. Oh, this is a good song. And, you know, and whatnot. And the idea that that is not something that, like... I mean, it could, obviously. But, like, just halts your entire night to a point where, you know, you, you have PTSD and that... Like, you know, what I mean, like, as as a privileged person in society, I just can't fathom it. Just the blocking of that whole scene, I just absolutely loved. And, and there were other moments like that throughout this movie, in my opinion, where... I feel like the name of this movie is not just a funny joke, but it's a misnomer. It's I think it does actually, this movie and the name in and of itself, kind of tries to articulate the black experience as to being a dual person in america mm-hmm. that you cannot just be black in america but you are in a sense also helping to create a system in which you are being put down and your and you know your uh friends and in families. order
2: in order to survive in that sort of system you have to in a in a sense, be compliant to it. Yeah, you to have, be able to move through it.
1: You put on a hood, and nobody asks any questions. And you know, and I, and I just think that even if the movie doesn't quite nail that, I definitely think it's there throughout this movie. I mean, him and Patrice have many numerous conversations about, mm-hmm. you know, can you fight the system from inside, or no? You know, the only way to do it is to fight back against the system yeah. in and of itself. And that right there is is a conflict that, you know, one person can deal with, let alone an entire community. Um, and so I don't know, I I do think there's more to this movie than the facts of the case. And I think while it's not perfect, it certainly um and I do think it does lean a little too even if I'm guilty of it, uh of laughing at certain I do think it does lean a little too heavily on the look at these white people Just, aren't they so racist? Mm. Ha 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 ha. Um, And I say that as someone who laughed at almost every one of those
0: the Some of the moments, um, specifically uh, when the uh, Felix and his wife are laying in bed, just like going over and (laughs) over. Well, actually, I thought
1: that was brilliant. Yeah? Yeah. That was actually one of my favorite parts of that. I'm talking more of like them, and I I laughed at this, but the uh, Tanya Harding's bodyguard just saying the N-word over and over and laughing and always, like... Yeah. I, and not because I don't think that that's realistic or yeah. anything like that. What I liked about the the pillow talk scene mm-hmm. was how fucking creepy that scene was. Mm-hmm. Um, that
0: is... That was just so over the top, though. Yeah.
1: Over the top in the sense that... I, I I say we think it's over the top because we that's don't not what normal people. Yes, that's not what normal they say, people do. But they're not. And normal we people. never no. get to see right. normal people or abnormal people right. in their most intimate bedroom talk. Right. So even if it's an uh, even if it's a fantasy, so to speak, of that kind of talk, it still felt weirdly plausible in the sense that, like whether they say these things in real life out loud or not, these are the conversations they're having. Like, like put aside whatever code phrases they use. You know, we don't talk about the organization, whatever. Uh, This is what they mean at the end of the day. Right. And you only would say that to the ones you love, quote unquote. And, that's what I found so creepy about that whole scene. And I absolutely love that. Because it wasn't just them saying the N-word in the same way Tarantino does it, and I like Tarantino, right. just to get a laugh from the audience. It just felt really fucking disturbing. Like a,
2: a shock laugh out of the audience. Yeah. I, another thing I wanted to know about Felix's wife, I thought it was very interesting. The first scene that she's ever shown. Oh, that in,
0: that, that, that scene's wonderful. Yeah,
2: where they where they sort of talk over her and she's just like, well, one day you're going to need me. It's like, what is so... like? jarring about that for me is like knowing a little bit of the history of the Ku Klux Klan of like, and how it originally started by white women, Mm -hmm. white women started the Ku Klux Klan and then it was taken over by their husbands and they were sort of like pushed to the fringes. It almost became like a, like a, like a militant extremist branch of like suffragists and shit like that. It's, it's pretty nuts. And to see like, this woman attempting to fight for primacy of 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 claim to an organization that was started by women in order to – and she has to, like, prove herself to, like, men in her life. And I was like – I don't know if, if, if Spike Lee was entirely aware of that, but I know that this I'm film – I'm sure he was. I don't think that he lets – white women off the hook in this movie at all. I
1: genuinely think there's not a... I don't think there's a single good white woman in this movie, Mm. which is interesting. Yeah, that's interesting. Because one of the most common refrains after the most recent election was, quote-unquote... Lock her up? No, I was going to say, white women lost the election. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I'm not saying that's exactly what he was going after, Mm. but it's an interesting parallel Mm. from 2018 to back then. And the only other thing I'll say about, like, the white women in this movie and whatnot, the other scene that I found extremely disturbing in all the right ways was after the uh, Ku Klux Klan initiation toward the end, when David opens the door and they run in like (laughs) cattle...
0: No, they they run in like their husbands just got back from Vietnam. Well, yeah, that's what I mean. Though, like, yeah.
1: But I'm just saying, like, it's literally like the gate is open, and they're, it's like okay, and they, they they literally run into a pastor. It's just so fucking creepy. Yeah. yeah. Uh,
0: so let's talk about the whites. Okay, they they were involved in this scene for sure. <laughs> uh, let's talk about the finale the grand finale here at the end Uh, and whether you like it or not and I actually think the very ending of it is actually pretty great Um, that's just me because I thought it just that's just not how it would really work but it just is completely just total frontier justice there of these people just getting what was coming to them at any rate um, what I loved Loved so much about that scene is uh, the idea that she completely disregards the plan of where to put the bomb. Uh, first, she's trying to make it fit into the mailbox, which is great. Which it, it's clearly not going to happen. No, but she tried. and she just keeps going. Uh, and the, and then when it because completely... that's the kind of
1: dedication they need in the KKK.
0: <laughs> but when it when it the thing is totally fucked, she does anything she can to make it still work. So she just puts it into the car which was never the plan so it just just the idea of of i mean to be fair she thought they would go back to the car and then understood sh- but how would no i mean it's the, the husband and the right. other oh, no. racist right, yeah. know that uh, drove past the car <laughs> well it, it's just the whole thing was just fucked yeah. um so the the idea that that blew up in their faces uh is pretty pretty wonderful but also um it is interesting of in that that just the idea of planning and that kind of thing uh, when it comes to that that is just completely just embracing the the idea of these people not necessarily just being stupid, but that they have even their backup plan is shit.
1: So here's the thing, I'll say. Mm-hmm. I like that ending in the sense that I, do too. I thought it was fun to watch. <laughs> like I said, it was a this movie to me is a blockbuster. Mm-hmm. So I was waiting for the evil, you know, gets triumphed and all that, whatnot. Right. However, one of the most salient criticisms of this movie I would say is the ending in particular is the most Dukes of Hazard ass shit ever, which is that to make your white supremacists as hillbilly and stupid as this can be entertaining for a night. Yeah. But there are smart Mm -hmm. racists. Oh, yeah. I mean, David Duke technically, even if I think he's pathetic, but his rhetoric does speak to bad people mm-hmm. because he knows what to say, mm-hmm. uh, you know, as far as, like, reaching great potential and America first. I mean, these slogans are uh, We've obviously... have heard them from other people oh, who exactly. are not
0: KKK members. Yes. Yeah. He and knows so... how to
2: put the pill in the salami, or in, in this case, the the racist, like, ideology wrapped in the nationalist call to to reclaiming one's one's greatness
0: but 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 it's alluded to early in the film and this is not something new but the idea of um the klu klux klan being these people who go around stoning and burning crosses and wearing bags over their heads uh is not a good look
1: they sound like the guilty remnant
0: it's not a, it's not a good look for television and, a good look. and and newspapers. But um, putting on a suit, although this is a, a clear jab at the current administration, uh, by Spike Lee. But at the same time, um, yeah, yeah, no, this is this is how you do it. Just dress like everybody else and seem like you're educated, and then all of a
1: sudden, oh, wait a minute, well, it makes sense. That's one thing I did like about this movie. I guess I revert it back then and say is that. The portrayal of David Duke is interesting because he never is so smart that you can't poke holes in the stupid shit that he says or does. For example, never being seen in public with a hood. Mm-hmm. Like, how are you a part of an organization? Like, that just shows you the difference between the stupids, which are the people that follows. But the smart quote unquote races. I mean that 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 kind of that kind of behavior comes off like a cult leader, yeah, and because you never question the idea that he doesn't want to be seen in the same shit that he makes you all do, yeah, but you're okay with doing it for quote unquote him, yeah um, and the other thing I'll say too about uh that kind of difference between stupid and smart is that the
2: I forgot. Okay. It was a powerful combo though. Oh thank you. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. very yeah. sweet. Yeah. yeah.
0: I'm ready to go to ratings if you guys are. Sure. I am. Okay. Um, I guess I'll go first. Yeah. Okay. That's all right. I also gave this film four out of five. Uh I thought this was quite delightful. Um and I, I don't think this from a, a racism perspective is nearly as powerful as uh do the right thing. But at the same time, I thought this was a a very well-put-together film that accomplishes its goal, in my opinion. Um, A lot of this film actually is... I thought a lot of the scenes that tried to be funny actually were. I thought the scenes that tried to be dramatic actually landed. Um, And there were just a lot of little moments in here that I thought were just delightful. Um, Even the ridiculousness that happens, like... Uh, Ron Stallworth being put as his detail at the KKK rally, uh, which would be just the dumbest thing you could ever do. Uh, the thing but,
1: about that, though, yeah, is that you're absolutely right in this sense. I mean, a it makes for a great cinema, sure. so to speak. But like, they don't—they don't even try to give like a. I mean, they say they don't have the manpower, but like. They literally had a scene, two scenes before that, saying, oh, you have plenty of manpower Mm -hmm. for something else. So, I mean, they really, man, that was one of the weakest parts when I rewatched it because I thought that there was a genuine reason why it had to be him, but no. No,
0: but in all honesty, the photo is actually fan-fucking-tastic of of that part. Um, And actually, one of the weakest parts of the film, I actually thought, was that character who just kind of showed up, who stole the bomb, and then he happened to remember uh, him... uh, uh happened to remember Adam Driver's character from from prison, from prison. Or p- mm-hmm. putting him in prison yeah, yeah which i thought was just really lazy that actually eh. yeah uh but um in general i thought this was a very entertaining film and uh, i think its message actually is pretty solid to me I, I think the idea of a film trying to say that yes at some point in our reality you're going to have to have black people and white people who are doing the same thing who get along who are working towards the same goals and that can be okay Um, because the idea of the separation which comes out very loudly from both sides in this film um, you know that that kind of thing just breathes racism and just makes it that much more abundant, where if you try to have it be a little less tame, while well, it still obviously exists around you, maybe there's a real chance you could. But that being said, I'm a white person, so <laughs> my opinion obviously somewhat matters, but not really. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, also, too, one last thing I will say. Uh, I'm totally f- missing on his name, but the the speech that they're at early in the film.
1: Stokely Carmichael, Kwame yeah. Ture. Uh, yeah.
0: I mean, this isn't the first time that Spike Lee's done a speech like that, but I thought that was fantastic, too. Yeah. Uh, I thought that, that was. That
1: totally earned its running time because it goes mm-hmm. on for a while. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: And he's the guy who plays Dr. Dre in Straight Out of Compton, yep. I believe. Yep. So, yep. He was great in this, great. by the way. Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, he's great in that as well, but mm-hmm. I was kind of flabbergasted by watching him. Good uh, for him. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: So I thought that uh, scene and also just that earned by itself is just wonderful. Um, yeah, I just really like this movie. So four out of five for me for Black Klansman.
2: Yeah, I'm going to give this a three out of five. Um, not as high as Do the Right Thing, and p- partly because I just don't think that I'm going to return to this anytime soon and have a changed impression of it. I'm still going to feel kind of like lukewarm on it. I feel like this is very much a half in half out sort of like statement that is made with the best of intentions, but like only half of the execution necessary to really deliver on those intentions. Um, some of the, the contrivances of how it's actually structured uh, great with me. Like just because it just doesn't really like, I can see how, how it's all supposed to culminate, but it doesn't really culminate. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's kind of a weird beast in, in, in sort of a way. And my aforementioned sort of criticisms that, align and diverge selectively with that of like boots riley's own like like criticism of it like i think that's really where i'm i'm sort of stuck with this film i enjoyed it that's why i am going to grade it a little bit more favorably than i would like a straight down the middle like sort of impression because ultimately i would recommend this film i enjoyed this film even though like, the two slices of bread, like, the the opening and the ending of this film sort of, like, graded me a bit. And some of the actual contents of it is, like, they don't really line up in a way that really is gratifying to me. I still overall enjoyed what I got out of this film. It's like, I didn't regret going in a the theater like so many other films I've seen this fucking year. Um... <laughs> You just got to you just got to grab what you got, man. It's like whatever is out there. So, I give it a 3 out of 5. Hey, this is Nick.
1: Hey, uh, Nick. I give this movie a 4 out of 5. Nice. I just was entertained. Uh like that's the bare essential here. And I got to say bare necessities? Hey. I got to say um sorry. You know s- I'm going to bring up the boost railway thing only because he's been the most prominent, famous person to speak out against it. So it's very easy to just pull from that. But one thing I'll say, and, you know, this is actually kind of rebuking what you're saying, Alex, even though I'm with you, which is that it's not that a white person's opinion doesn't matter about this film, which I'm not saying that's actually what you were saying. No. But, like, that's obviously something that we're all thinking, myself mm-hmm. included. <laughs> but what about this? What about the flip side? To somebody like... Boots Riley, who's saying that this movie is uh, giving white people a lie and a false window into the reparations that have never been made between, you know, blacks and whites and whatnot. I saw this with my mother, who is 55 years old, and this is her favorite film of the year. Really? And I take her to see a lot of films. She's not a person who just doesn't even see movies. Yeah. Um,. It's not like she just saw this, this. and Upgrade or yeah. something like
2: that. <laughs> <laughs> just, Did you take would, your mom yeah, to see Upgrade? Yeah, man. Uh,
1: um, <laughs> but this is her favorite Shit. film of the year. And so my first reaction to that is then, what well, am I supposed to then think that she's, quote unquote, a dumb liberal no. who's bought into the idea that, you know, whatever. But we talked about this movie for two hours after it. Mm-hmm. And she, like, cried at the footage. And I'm not saying that that the footage was justified and refused mm-hmm. but right. she cried at the footage at the end mm-hmm. she just thought that this movie has been saying a lot about what she's been thinking mm-hmm. about the current climate and whatnot mm-hmm. and it's like maybe that's a good thing right. it may be elementary but you do have to learn those things at some point right. and you do have to practice them time and time again right. yeah and what's wrong with that if like if I'm going to quote Gandhi and say, okay. "Be the change you want to see in the <laughs> yeah, world." Sure. If you want to see a better movie, Boots Riley, yeah. then make a better movie, yeah. and I will gladly go see that one as yeah. well. Um, but so I'm just saying, as someone who's seen this with somebody who ate it up, who I don't think was suckered into no. the mythos of, you know, the uh, <laughs> of the Leave It to Beaver esque vision of racism here. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think there's something important about a mainstream movie that can somehow double as escapist fare but also never not remind you that you don't get to – or you get to escape but the people that are different from you, in this case white privileged whatnot, uh, don't get to. But also as uh, just another experience too – my mother is a white woman. Mm. And I'm sure the scenes with Connie felt a lot different to her than mm. they did with me. I mean, I'm certainly, I can get to a certain reading that might be similar to what my mom may have felt from it. Mm-hmm. But I'm never going to have that same, like, ping of, like, Ooh. Yeah, of, like, what it's like to stand in a room full of men when your husband tells you to go back to the kitchen, which right. I'm not saying my father has done. Yeah. But my father, being a male, has probably said something in his lifetime mm. that unfortunately sounded like that. Yeah. Just because it's so... It, it is like it's so bre- ingrained. Yeah, it's so.
2: It's like breathing. It's not even conscious. Yeah, yeah. and that's the most insidious thing about it. Yeah. So
1: um, so I got to say that I think that there's value to this movie. Uh whether it's based on true facts or not, I think is beside the point. Because, yeah, if it's not, then sure, show me a documentary that, that is, and I'll watch that as well. But I, I just think that there's still something to get from this, especially because it's so entertaining. I think that will trick certain people into liking it that maybe are racist assholes. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. I, 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 here's the thing. One more thing, sorry. If we get to watch a scene... Like uh, David Duke and his buddies uh, watching the Mertham Nation, and you know they were popcorn at the throwing popcorn screen. at the screen as they are just relishing this s- just awful depiction of you know uh, humanity at the time, which was both outlandish and realistic. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, the Birth of a Nation was literally the first blockbuster. S- literally, that's a line in this movie. Yeah.
2: D.W. Griffith. white
1: people got to do that in 19-whatever, mm-hmm. why can't Spike Lee do that in 2018? Right. And then it's about time we had something made by an African-American filmmaker, not a Quentin Tarantino knockoff, you know, and whatnot, where they just got to fucking have fun with some very uh, dark and disturbing material and yet also kind of maybe let the viewers breathe for a moment. Because I'll just say this. This has been a dark year, dark couple of years. <laughs> it's,
2: been, it's been a dark couple of In America's decades. climate. <laughs> yeah.
1: And I will admit that I kind of felt a little sense of relief watching something that both confirmed what we're experiencing, but also says that maybe not uh, all is lost. Yeah. So. Okay. Well put. Thank you. All right.
0: If you out there have any thoughts on, on really anything Spike Lee, I mean, he's yeah. had a, a, a very uh, illustrious and a pretty lengthy career now uh, that has spanned into f- you know four different decades, soon to be five. Uh, feel free to send them on to us at filmtankshow at gmail.com. So on our next episode, uh, we're going to have a new guest joining us, and we'll tell you more about To him. Yeah, no spoilers.
1: Oh, spoilers.
0: Okay. Thank you. We'll tell you more about him uh, on our next episode, but it is a a first time for uh, this new guest on here. (laughs) (laughs) He's doing anything other than Batman right now. (laughs)
2: He'll do anything. He's really doing anything. Just
0: please don't make me do that Bruce Wayne shit anymore. I don't want to have any more lines about bleeding. Please don't. Mm. So, uh, we are going to do a foreign film with uh, our guest, who will be on next week, and that film is called Army of Shadows, a film that came out in the 1960s uh, by French filmmaker Jean-Pierre Maville. Mm-hmm. So, that'll be uh, something to look forward to, coming up on episode 165. When was the
1: last foreign film we did? I'm trying to think. I mean... Classic one, I feel like we haven't done one since The Vanishing. Yeah. It's been a minute. No, Rashomon. Yeah. did Rashomon with Brian. Somewhere around there. That was like two years ago. I know, but I think that might be. The no,
0: we did okay. Persona?
1: That was before Brian. No. Yeah. I don't believe you. You're, probably, Sarah, you're probably right. Sarah, but. who was our guest for Persona, visited... It's 2018 right now. Mm-hmm. She didn't visit in 2018. She didn't visit in 2017.
3: Mm-hmm. She
1: visited in August of 2016, and I want to say we did Rashomon in 2017. That's like February, maybe, but... <sighs> okay. That's, that's, that's my that's my guess. That's
2: not how I remember it.
0: Hey, <laughs> you. Okay. Well, at any rate, um, it's been a while. Good talk. It's been a while. <laughs> um, yeah, and... Uh, <laughs> yeah no it's 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 it is it has been quite a while so that'll be something to look forward to coming up on our next episode from nick cheney to tucson egan myself alex diekman thank you very much for joining us here on film tank and as always we'll catch up with you next time
2: stay black